fans, welcome to another the global revolution. As always, we're the coolest guys around. Here to bring to you all the wrestling which may be falling under your radar. That's right, we are talking about once again three count one, two, three promotions this week. Maybe more like two and a half, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. We talking as always about some WXW, one of the best promotions in the world, in our humble opinion. Also going to be talking about a specialty of my boy, my wonderful co-host, who I will introduce in a moment. We're going to be talking about some Dragon Gate. Uh, also spending a little time on uh, Northeast Wrestling, which we have not talked about before, so that will be interesting. But, as I mentioned, I would not, could not, should not do this by myself. I am joined by a lovely, wonderful man. He's my friend. He should be yours. He is called Jeff. Jeff, say hello. Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here, Ms. Fan there. Sorry about last week. Had to take some time off, do some uh, focusing on myself, unfortunately. I apologize for that. But I'm here this week. It's a little bit cold this week as well, so I'm staying warm here in slightly sunny South Florida. So hopefully everybody out there is uh, staying warm as well as we approach Christmas time. But as Ms. Fan said, we've got about two promotions this week. I did manage to get... All of our WXW set and all of our Dragon Gate set. Watch, it was a busy week for me. Picked up some new hours at work, doing a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Also took a tip trip to uh, Disney with the family, so I have been swamped. But you know I'm going to take time out of my busy schedule to at least get some Dragon Gate and some WXW watched. This fan will run us through some of the other uh, Northeast Wrestling stuff when we get there. It's going to be a fun, uh, fabulous time here on the Global Revolution. But Miss Fan. Take it away. Where are we starting off this week? All right. Well, I think we'll start where we usually start with some WXW. We'll mm-hmm. get right into it. So let's check it out. I believe the first match on this part of the set uh, is our new WXW face of the week. We're seeing uh, Chris Colon. Um, yep, that is yes. the name, right? Excellent. Taking on Delmac on... And I actually... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I actually saw this match way back when we were first watching um, oh. this show um, wow. previously, because this is the this is the show that had the big uh, cage match at the beginning of the year, Rise versus uh, Ringkampf and Monster Consulting, and is doing part of my uh, you know occasional wandering of the wrestling woods, as it were, and checking out some stuff not on sets. This was actually one of the matches I watched at that time, so. It's kind of fun to go back to, actually. This was neat. Indeed, indeed. And it proved uh, even more important for one of the later matches, I thought. But uh, that's then. This is now. Um, yeah, my first time seeing the match. My first time seeing Chris Colin. And uh, actually, my first time seeing Demac in a while. He kind of disappeared uh, along with Bad Bones uh, John Klinger, who um, was... Uh, you know, as we've talked about, kind of weirdly left the company. We still don't know everything about that. But uh, Demac, not leaving the company, but just kind of not being around for a while. So I don't know if that means Bad Bones might come back. I really haven't a clue. It'd be cool to see No him. idea. He is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, this was a fun match, I thought. Uh, Chris Cullen, kind of a beefy guy. Sounded like uh, he used to be a part of Rise, which I actually did not know. Um, yes, I believe and, uh, uh, he was yeah. one of the uh, one of the founding members, along with the guys like the Young Lions and uh, Ivan Kiev. It seems like so uh, he he has a history with the group, and unfortunately, at least according to commentary, he essentially got replaced by Demac when Demac joined 
the group with Bad Bones. So well, I he definitely is, uh, remember, yeah, that the Mac was not always part of uh, of Rise. So that's uh, an interesting little thing there, I think. Indeed. Um, yeah, the match itself, I definitely was a fan of. I liked uh, Demac a lot when we first started watching him. Who could forget him getting banned from wrestling in his hometown when he lost to Bobby Guns? Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't connect with him as much in Rise, but uh, he's kind of a cool guy. Like, uh, he's got a good look. Uh, he sort of remembered how much I liked Demac as a part of uh, this match. It, it really um, kind of reminded me of his positive aspects. Indeed, I think he really played a. I mean, we've seen it before, and he was at least as a face. I remember him kind of being a sort of bubbly, positive, you know, hardworking guy, especially when taking on a dude like uh, the usually or the used to be completely evil Bobby Gunn, now just only partially a, a jerk Bobby Gunn <laughs> nowadays. But you know, he, he had that sort of you know very positive vibe about him as a face, and he is just completely different as a member of Rise here. Um, I definitely remember him being very, like, scarily robotic, just very, like, emotionless and just focused on causing pain and sort of enduring shots uh, the first time I watched this match. And it definitely came through again the second time here. So, uh, Demac, I, I, I think Demac has, Demac, I should say, has a lot of, uh, a lot of good potential, a lot of good uh, character work, I think, in this match in particular. Um, Chris Colin, um, this is actually the only match I've ever seen involving uh, <laughs> Chris twice. Colin. Twice. Twice. Where else was he? I don't remember. Was he in that rumble? I don't know. But anyway. Um, I don't think he was, but I'm not sure, so don't quote me. Uh, Chris Colin, not, um, he's, he's big. He's beefy, like, as you mentioned. Um, and that's kind of it for me. I don't know about you, but he didn't exactly leave a huge impression on me. He tried hard in this match. I will give him that. doesn't like this match sucked or anything, because I had a good time with it, but I think my personal enjoyment was more on seeing, you know, Demac in his uh, sort of rise, you know, attitude and uh, show-off here, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, Colin, which eh, sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think I definitely uh, liked him um, a bit more than you did, just based on this match, but uh, I do think uh, it was kind of more of the Max match, so... Fair enough. Uh, the Mac does pick up the victory here with a cutter variation, of which there are many thousands. Um, so, uh, yeah, nice victory for Demac. Nice victory for Rise. Indeed. Putting uh, Colin on the back burner entirely with that victory there. Now, not, not just ousted from Rise, but basically shunned away entirely, losing to the guy who replaced him in Demac back on uh, January 20th. This was almost at the beginning of of this year, so Indeed. a long time since this match happened, at least for this calendar year. Goodness gracious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely so. Uh, we move on to uh, Big Jump in Time, go to uh, June 20th, episode of Shotgun. The match, Walter teaming with Ilya Dragunov for possibly the first time against Absolute Andy and Alexander James, who was being pushed as sort of important at the time. Um, and I'll just say up front, I'm still... Not sure why. Uh, usually, WXW picks guys that I'm very high on, but I can't, I just can't get in to Alexander James at all. I, I don't know. It's just not, uh, he's not doing a lot for me. Um, the match was good. Andy is great. Uh, he's wonderful. Uh, he had some amazing bits in this match. 
Walter is just a force of nature. Ilya is Ilya. He's great. Um, but yeah, Alexander James, I I don't know. He just seems like a really bog standard talent. I I, I don't see much uh, in him. I I definitely feel like I like Alexander James a lot more than you. Not necessarily a whole lot more. He's certainly not necessarily one of my favorite WXW guys. Um, he's to me at least he's a very passable talent. Um, he makes for a good uh. Uh, tag team partner. I've seen some of his stuff with uh, Yern Simmons uh, that he's been doing recently, and I find him uh, pretty solid in that role. Um, there's actually a segment in this match. I think he was taking on Walter, and he was uh, had him in a hold, and Walter was trying to escape, and their legs were tangled up, and he seamlessly sort of just transitioned himself from you know just being close to Walter to actually having him in a uh, Muta-style lock that I thought was a pretty cool transition from Alexander James. So that was cool to see. I, I feel like he's a guy who maybe hasn't quite reached his potential yet. I don't know how old he is. I don't know how much experience he has in the game, but he feels like a guy who is still kind of growing, at least the way I, I kind of see him. He's I think he's got some talent. He's got some uh, technical prowess. He's got some good uh, – uh, I think he's got a pretty solid like move set, pretty solid execution, but – Maybe not all the pieces are quite there yet. He's maybe trying to figure it out. I don't know, but I, I like him. I don't love him, but I like him. Hmm. Would you at least and agree that he's a, kind of a step down from most of the WXW main event guys? Oh, no, can I... What's that? What's the last thing you heard? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no, uh, I was just saying, would you at least agree that Alexander James is a step down from the other uh, I, WXW I, I mean, top talent? Oh, I, I, especially in this match, I would say absolutely. Oh, All right. Uh, and not, not to uh, disparage Alexander James, but the guys who are at the top of the WXW uh, favorites list and the guys who are at the top of the you know WXW upper echelon are – in genuinely like a whole nother level unto themselves um, between, you know, guys like obviously Walter, um, Absolute Andy, Ilya Dragunov, Bobby Guns, Mario Salani, you know, throw in Lucky Kid in there. You could throw in, you know, I feel like you could just throw in a lot of WXW's best talent, David Starr, yep. um, even if you want to include some women in there, which I think you absolutely should, you know, Killer Kelly, um, Melanie Gray. Um, it's just it, it's hard to sort of reach that upper echelon of talent in WXW who are just so good, who understand their roles so well, who are just so talented, charismatic, you know, basically everything. And unfortunately, Alexander James just isn't quite there. And and mm-hmm. that's no no real fault of his own, but he's just he just doesn't quite measure up. And that's just just how it is. Just how it is. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I would definitely. Agree with that, um, and yeah, probably a bit more, but still, it's a great match. There's some really wonderful stuff in here. Um, uh, Absolute Andy is just such a wonderful character. Um, I love at one point, uh, I forget which one, but uh, one of the two faces going for a tag, and Andy like runs around, knocks the other guy off the apron, and then jumps up and pretends like he's going to stand there and tag the... The guy in who was so yeah, it, it was Walter yeah. who was going for the tag. I remember this very vividly. Walter oh, was really actually kind of the babyface in peril for for a good portion of this match. Actually, Ilya got the hot tag, so Walter goes into tag Ilya. Ilya gets dropped to the apron, and Absolute Andy 
kind of sits on the apron and just, you know, extends his hand. Not even in a sort of like really enthusiastic, like playing along sort of way. He just kind of shows up there, sticks his hand out, almost like trying to intimidate Walter. Like, yeah, I'm here. Go ahead and tag me in and watch me punch you in the face afterwards. It'll be great. <laughs> God, I love Andy. Um, you know, Someone I would love Andy to interact with. Um, mm-hmm. Big R Shimizu, who you know, <laughs> gives me very similar, like, goofy but dangerous vibes as a character. So those two have... Uh, definitely rocketed up the ranks of two of my just favorite guys this year with their uh heel work so yeah absolute andy is just an absolute treat um the fact that he gets to square off here with both uh Ilya dragonoff and walter i think was really good getting to see him interact with those two guys is almost always guaranteed fun stuff especially uh Ilya recently so really really fun match here especially when those three were involved Absolutely so. Couldn't agree more. Um, I believe Walter gets the pin here on uh, Alexander James and uh, couldn't have couldn't have happened to a more deserving person, in my opinion. Um, definitely the right guy to be taking that fall there. Um, all right, yeah, we jump that again to uh, this time August fifteenth episode of Shotgun uh, for a women's match, mentioning uh, at least one of the women you were talking about before, Melanie Gray. Taking on Millie McKenzie, uh, who I am quite a big fan of, and uh, same, I was glad same. to see here for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, you um, you get here with uh, Melanie, who is such a great character worker, just uh, really wonderful in that regard. Um, you know, Millie McKenzie, who's just so charismatic, I think she's going to be a, a humongous star. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with this. It was a relatively short match. It gets ended prematurely. But, uh, man, the action itself, I, I was a very big fan of this. I enjoyed it a lot. I like, <laughs> yes, I like both of these women. I, I think Melanie Gray is genuinely one of the uh, sort of like the underrated aspects of all of women's wrestling who deserves a lot more shine and praise than I think she gets. Millie McKenzie, as you said, I think is just going to be, you know, give her three, five more years. And I assure you, She's going to be on top of the professional wrestling world. Just just charismatic, fun to watch, exciting, super mm-hmm. talented. Um, really miss seeing her in Chikara. I remember uh, her, Omari, and Kyle Fletcher were sort of bouncing around there for a hot minute with King of Trios and uh, similar things. So uh, definitely miss her doing some stuff. Um, you know, I haven't actually seen her in a while. I think she's been doing mostly uh, other UK and European promotions, uh, not a whole lot of the ones that – I personally go out of my way to watch, so nice to see her show up here. Um, also nice to see Alpha Female, who br- ruins this match about five minutes in, comes in and basically beats everybody up to uh, uh, assert her dominance, as it were. I believe at this time, uh, Melanie Gray is the women's champion, I believe, of WXW, and uh, Alpha Female not exactly happy with that fact. So seemed to kind of want to come in there and you know just show off. You know, beat down some competitors and assert herself as a number one contender of sorts. And unfortunately, that brings to the end of a short but fun match. So mm-hmm. glad to see all three of the ladies involved here, especially Millie McKenzie, who I miss seeing. I don't, I don't feel like I see her enough usually. So glad to see her here. Well, I think she may be getting locked up by the WWE UK that is also situation. True. That is also so true. Get used to not seeing her, because I don't think we're going to start covering that on this program. Um, Damn it. Yeah, I Oh, know. WWE, you continue to just take and take 
and take from me, and you never give back. Take so You never give back. It's so angry. It's rough for people like us. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, we jump ahead to the uh, September 5th episode of Shotgun. Before we get to a match here, we have some nice little uh, backstage vignettes, and uh, really, really do enjoy these, like we've talked about. Shotgun, a great show. Sad that it, it seems to be over now, and I have to admit, I've been a little put out all week because I read somewhere that in 2019, WXW is supposed to be on the WWE Network. Uh, and I really don't know how I feel about that. So, yeah, not, yeah, I don't know. It's not encouraging. I mean, if they just get to keep doing their thing and, like, more people see it, I guess. But I don't know. Just, uh, I'm a fan of just independent things being independent. And I would never begrudge somebody for taking the money and the exposure. Um, just like with wrestlers, I feel the same way. With companies, I guess, but uh, it is a little discouraging if you're not into the WWE bubble to see everything kind of getting absorbed. So we'll see how that goes. Indeed, I I know a lot of people like to uh, uh, I don't know. I just kind of see very much the similar things with a lot of other like actual semi monopolies and like the real world, like everything yeah. sort of coming under the Disney bubble in terms of like movies and entertainment where everything is basically owned by one company and it's just all basically the same. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that these like, especially for promotions and wrestlers, you know, you're always glad that they're going to get the money. You're always glad that they're going to get the exposure. Like that just, that's just inherent, but it just sucks sometimes. No, like not everything needs to all be the exact same. Not everything needs to all be tied into the WWE some way, somehow, and, you know, just kind of lose a little bit of that independent spirit, even if you are continuing to sort of do your own thing. So it's not always, I don't know, it's, just, it's not always the greatest feeling to um, uh, watch the companies you like and you love get taken into something that you have so much. Uh, at least for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a WWE fan. Don't really like the things they do as a product. Don't like the things they really do as a company. So it's just, I get it, but it's not great. It's just not great, but um, mm-hmm. hopefully, um, even with that happening, uh, WXW would just continue to put on the uh, great product we've uh, come to know and love from them, and that'll be that. So as yep. long as they keep doing that, that's where we are going to keep our focus on yep. the global revolution. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, as long as they keep producing um, compelling, character-rich, storyline-driven wrestling, um, you know, with a lot of homegrown talent, that will be... More than good enough for me, and if they don't, well, there's a lot of other wrestling in the sea. Not even WWE can own everything. Mm. We hope. So uh, we hope. It's not a, <laughs> anyway, getting it's not into Tim the episode. Like anyway, anyway, yes, getting into the episode, uh, we see Christian Michael Jacoby, who we don't see as much anymore. I think uh, at some point in this year, he kind of stepped back a little bit, but uh, he's here at the moment, and he's confronted by Absolute Andy, who's furious. He has to wrestle. Because he has scoliosis. His spine is all bendy, and he can't wrestle so much. He can't defend his title this much, having become the WXW champion by this point. Um, he laments that someday he might need surgery when he turns 30, which uh, was just a spectacular line. If you don't know, Andy is very much 40 and uh, and getting older every day. Um, oh, so Andy. CMJ sets up a six-man uh, main event for the show, saying, uh, oh, this way you'll be able to do less work. And, oh, by the way, on the other time, it's going to be 
Ilya Dragunov on the other side of the ring. So, um, fun little segment there. I love Absolute Andy in these segments. He's just, yeah, like you said, he's been, really been one of the most fun people to watch in terms of, like, character and uh, just all the little things he does. Yes, he's just, like like I said with Big R Shimizu on, on Twitter, he's, Andy's very much the same way. He's kind of a big goofball. He's kind of silly. Um, and it, it, it's kind of disarming sometimes. And he, you know, he comes in and he complains about having scoliosis and needing surgery by the time he's 30 when he is you know, well beyond that age. And uh, the promo we talked about a few weeks ago where he compared himself to a Tyrannosaurus and said that um, he had a huge rod. It was very, very weird. It's very funny, very goofy. But he also still manages to have that sort of edge to it, that sort of dangerous um, – because at the end of the day, Still a big man, still a strong man, still a, you know, violent man focused on winning matches. So even though he does have these very silly promos and very silly interactions with other people, he, he never loses that sort of goal of being like a competitor you have to take seriously. And I think that's what I love most about Absolute Andy is despite all these funny antics, despite all these, you know, great silly promos that are just so entertaining to watch and listen to. Um, he still manages to be a very uh, compelling and competitive threat in the world of WXW. So Andy is just, right now, probably one of my favorite wrestlers on the planet. Just always a treat to watch, whether it's in the ring or on these promos here for WXW. Absolutely so. Uh, He is great. Um, And speaking of, we'll, we'll speak more on this later, but... I don't know where you go to get all these bad takes, but anyone who doesn't like Big R Shimizu and his current run is just a baffling person to me. You spend too much time on the Twitter, my friend, making up these bad <laughs> on the, takes. On the Twitter machine. On the Twitter machine. the Twitter machine. The Twitter machine does oh, not man. produce good things a lot of the time. I, I even know someone on there who doesn't uh, like Walter, so, you know, anyone can have these terrible Twitter <laughs> takes. So, um also on the what show, it is. Yep, also on the show we see uh, Ilya Dragunov backstage with his two partners, Avalanche and Julian Nero, Monster Consulting. Ilya can't believe he lost his cool against Absolute Andy and tried to murder him. As you recall, that did happen, and it was spectacular. But he's very proud of Monster Consulting for holding their titles. They talk about how they used to be in Cerberus together, which was... Uh, before our time of watching, but uh, a uh, powerful stable in its own right, I am sure. Uh, they say now they're all even stronger than they used to be, but they still do the old Cerberus taunt, just for uh, old time's sake. So it's a fun little bit of history uh, that I didn't even really know very much about before. So Yes, I was, I was aware that the three of them had been in uh, Cerberus together. I think there was one match. I think I sought out personally... I think it was like Cerberus versus Rise, um, uh, maybe like last year at some point, where all three of the guys came back together one last time, seemingly to take on the uh, the Rise boys. Back when Rise was a had way more members than B was way more of a mean, nasty group. So mm. yeah, and, but uh, more it's, powerful uh, probably, and, and, and yeah. arguably more powerful. Um, love Ivan Kiev, uh, Pete Bouncer, and Lucky Kid, but. Uh, when you're not holding all the titles, you're just not as quite as powerful as you used to be. But or um, any titles, perhaps. So. <laughs> uh, but Cerebrus uh, coming together this time is is also pretty neat. Um, and that leads us into the match, which is six really good competitors 
in uh, three different teams. You got the Cerebrus Broys taking on Absolute Andy and JFK. And I must say, mm. um, JFK quickly rising the ranks is one of just my favorite tag teams to watch. So is so is Monster Consulting, but JFK they're just they're they're they're, they're just so annoying. They're just so <laughs> irritating. Uh, Jay Skillet does yeah. the you know loser L on the forehead like all the time, and you just want to smack him across the face. They look annoying. They they act annoying, and they're just they're so perfect in these roles. They're fresher than you for sure, and you just you hate that fact about them. And in this match, they were a lot of fun, doing a lot of good work uh, with Andy, and we're gonna kind of see a little bit more of that uh, later down the line. I don't want to get too spoilery, but um, mm-hmm. some really good stuff here. And on the other side of the ring, it's 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 Ilya Dragunov and it's Monster Consulting, and they're just they're great together. You kind of got to see their teamwork coming out a whole bunch of times. They were just doing double and triple team moves, you know, very clearly getting into that uh, Cerebrus playbook. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this was just a, a, another good WXW match. Uh, a lot of moving parts in here, and it all turned out to be just a really spectacular time. Um, love pretty much all six of these guys. Um and yeah, just just a fantastic time with another WW, uh, WXW match. You know, that's at this point it's just it's par for the course for them. They have a match and it's really good. So absolutely so. Um, yep, started with a bang early in the first second. Ilya lays out absolute Andy with Torpedo Moscow, which was uh, really quite spectacular for the start. I thought uh, WXW you think often starts matches really well. I remember thinking that a few times on this set, just uh, things really just shot out of the gate incredibly. Um, JFK, I agree, uh, really has become one of my top tag teams to watch. Maybe my favorite in WXW, uh, with the exception of Ringkampf, uh, which is only like sort of a team, because uh, they do so much individually. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, some great stuff in this. At one point, all six men are up on the stage. They're trying to do like a suplex battle. Like they're all gonna. It's gonna be like a triple suplex. JFK ends up losing this battle because Absolute Andy just bails on them. Just like a bails and runs off, and nobody can find him <laughs> for several seconds. Like, where did this man go? God, I love Andy. He's oh, just, he's... he's so great. I think he was actually the star of this match. Um, so at one point, yeah, another great moment where Ilya was like climbing up on the top. He was building up some big thing on one of JFK. And Andy just, like, walked over to him and just shoved him off the top and down to the floor, just so casually. Um, it was really spectacular, so uh, I love that. Indeed. Uh, I believe the babyfaces get the win here. Everybody beats yes. up Absolute Andy in the end, and uh, he suffers a pinfall loss, uh, deserving for his uh, jackassery. So, uh, yeah, very good match. I think probably the best one of the ones we've talked about so far. I uh, had a lot Indeed. of fun with this one. Indeed, good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, we jump forward to uh, World Tag League Weekend. Um, two matches from the uh, all-female kind of special show they also did on the same weekend called uh, Femme, F- Femme Vitale. Yeah. Um, two matches just kind of cherry-picked here, both Mako Satomura matches. Um, the first one uh, against the German... Wrestling legend of uh, women's wrestling, Wesna. I think I'm pronouncing that right. 
think it's uh, Wesna or Vesna. You know how yeah, I never know if I'm supposed w to make it a, yeah, the W into a V. I never have any clue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about you. I really like this. I, I've seen Wesna once or twice before. I've always liked her. Liked her maybe even more here. Um, she's just uh, a really big wrestler. Uh, a lot of big strikes, uh, very resilient, does a lot of really good things. Then, of course, you've got Mako Satomura, who's truly just amazing. Uh, her kicks, her, her fired-up attitude, um, that great personality that shines through. Uh, she's really just one of the best in the world. We say it every time. I, I had yeah, a great we, time with this match. Yeah, this was another good one. Just I, At this point, I don't know what there else there is to say about how good Mako Satomura is. Like, <laughs> True. as you said, every time we see her, it's just, she's one of the best in the world. Um, she's just got everything going on. She's good at basically everything. Great strikes, great wrestling, great, you know, emotion, great personality. And as you said, uh, shines through just, just, just every time you, you, you know what you're getting from a Mako Satomura match. Cause it's going to be really good. Um, Vesna, I think was a really good challenge for her here. You know, a bit of a size, differential that uh you know played up throughout the match just just good stuff just good stuff as usual from both wxw and mako satomura so yeah, yeah just a so. good match yeah just a and, great match really had a good and time the with uh, this one. the first match of the fim fatals uh tournament which i do believe um they do it basically every year at tag league um, I think you get a number one contendership to the women's championship, which is how uh, Tony Storm uh, won the title, I do believe, last year. So, yeah, uh, good on uh, Mako Satomura picking up the victory here in this match. Mm-hmm. Yep, very good on her indeed. Um, we uh, jump then to the final match of the tournament, which is Mako Satomura taking on Lufisto, another, uh, uh, I'd say, legend of women's wrestling. Been uh, wrestling the American independent scene for a long time. Um, this one, I don't think I liked uh, as much, but there was definitely some good stuff in it. Uh, very physical, especially at the start. Um, they were really crashing into each other, fighting up uh, to the ramp and the stage. I really enjoyed Satomura kind of charging up the ramp to really just clobber Lufisto at one point. Um, a lot of brawling, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I enjoyed this one. What, what did you think? I enjoyed this one as well. I don't know how I would compare it to... The uh, the Vesna match because I both I think both of them were um, you know really solid. This one had I think a little bit more more going for it because it was you know the finals of this uh, tournament. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Lufisto really brought it in this match as well. Um, they they were really you know like you said kind of hot off the start, both going after one another. There's some crowd brawling brawling on the stage. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of pretty solid aspects going into this sort of tournament final. But um, sorry, Lufisto, you're just you're not Mako Satomura. You're just not. <laughs> Try as you might to uh, withstand. You're gonna get uh, cartwheel knee dropped on your skull. You're gonna eat, eat the Scorpion Rising. You're going to eat the Death Valley Bomb, and you're going to lose, which is exactly what happens as Mako Satomura picks up the victory in. What I thought was a pretty solid match between these two. So good on Mako Satomura, who does genuinely deserve to win basically every tournament she is ever in. So good on her. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, spectacular talent, as we say quite a lot, because there's a lot of Mako Satomura to go around, and uh, she really just always impresses the heck out of us. So, 
Um, moving on, we go to a more recent show, October 27th, Road to Broken Rules, kind of set up to their uh, bigger show of Broken Rules. But on this show, we have a match which sort of caught my eye probably a couple sets ago. Didn't get around to watching it until now, but uh, definitely wanted to put it on here. It is a rare four-on-four match, rare in WXW. It is Bobby Guns and the three uh, kind of last men standing of the original Rise, Lucky Kid, Ivan Kiev, and Pete Bouncer taking on the very impressive team of Absolute Andy, uh, JFK, and Marius Al-Ani. Uh, weird to see Andy and uh, Marius on the same team again. After A4 they... reunited, baby. Yeah, yeah. I was, not really, because I still don't think they liked each <laughs> other. But, uh, you know, they did They did a couple moves together. You know, they, they didn't uh, come to blows or anything like they would have uh, six months ago. So... Making some progress, maybe, towards uh, making peace. Or not. They may never make peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is another one that I thought uh, really just blew out of the gate, though, because uh, I remember Bobby Guns just kind of, like, leaps onto Absolute Andy and starts, like, dragging him down into uh, one of his arm bars. And as that happens, everyone else just, like, starts brawling madly all around them. And I thought that was a, a really excellent set piece to start off with. Yes, indeed. Just just a hectic match. And you knew it was going to be. There's just so much. Because at the time, you have Bobby Guns and Absolute Andy feuding over, um, you know, becoming the unified VXV world champion. You also have... Um, Bobby Gunn still having his issues with Marius Alani having basically stolen the shotgun title from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have all of Rise, who has the issue with Marius Alani and Tarkin Aslan for uh, the betrayal of Rise and uh, uh, Alani's uh, work in that. And then you just have the very irritating uh, JFK just sort of set a yeah, just kind of sort of sticking their nose in business and you just sort of being themselves, working alongside Andy one more time. Um, this was good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the star of this match, absolutely, 100%, gotta be Lucky Kid. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as usual in Lucky Kid matches, um, he squared off with basically everybody on on the opposing team. He had a lot of good work with um, uh, Marius Alani in particular um, throughout this match. Um, really just a good back and forth um, bout, especially towards the end between those two. Um, at one point, there's actually a spot where all the members of the Bobby Guns and Rise team have everybody else in submission holds. Start with Lucky Kid uh, locking in a cross face. Bobby Guns gets an arm bar. Uh, Pete Bouncer's got a single leg Boston Crab, and Ivan Kiev's got like a Taz mission on. And uh, Marius Alani is trying to fight his way out, and he eventually power bombs uh, Bobby Guns, who had him in the armbar, onto a uh, Pete Bouncer, and then everything just starts breaking down one more time. Um, there's there's a great sequence where it comes down to um, Bobby Guns and Rise all sort of squaring around Absolute Andy as he sort of mm. begs off and pleads <laughs> off, which was just fun as well. Really, just. Um, a uh, Atomico's match for the ages, I think. I really ended up enjoying this one. I thought everybody played their part super well. There was a lot of hectic stuff going on. Everybody looked great. And in the end, the babyfaces pick up the victory as Lucky Kid, I believe, powerbombed um, 
Was it Marius or was it Jay Skillet? I don't remember, actually. But he does sit out, powerbomb the crap out of someone to pin them for the win for mm-hmm. his team. And yep. Pinning Marius, uh, the shotgun champion, to uh, kind of further their issue. Yeah. So, yeah, really wonderful stuff in here, I thought. Um uh, and yeah, I'd say Lucky Kid uh, was pretty much the star of this. At one point, yeah, I, 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 if you didn't uh, say already, um, Lucky Kid countered uh, an Absolute Andy F5 into his version of the crossface, which is just the coolest damn thing. It was really incredible. Uh, you know, within a year or two, you know, if things continue as is, very easy to imagine Lucky Kid as a WXW champion. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh... He's just he's he's just a star in the making, and we saw it, you know, at this year's 16 carat in particular, especially mm-hmm. when he's taking on guys like uh, Timothy Thatcher and Zack Saber Jr. He's just he's got it, he's got it, and yeah, as long as he continues yeah. to harbor that, uh, grow that, he is going to be a tremendous star. And everybody else in this match, really good as well, just just a fantastic time. But you know what my favorite thing about this match might have been? Pray tell. Afterwards, uh, Lucky Kid is pinned. Mario Salani wins the match for his team. And the first guy to actually get in and embrace him was Bobby Guns. Mm. Not that the Rise guys didn't care, but Bobby Guns, um, I do believe, um, if I remember the sets correctly, I do think you watched uh, last week that uh, Bobby Guns and Lucky Kid versus uh, Mario Salani and Tarkin Aslan uh, uh, yes, yes indeed, we did. And he had uh, Bobby Guns really seemed to have a connection with Lucky Kid. So it was kind of cool to see that sort of continue through with this match, you know, right at the end there, him being the guy to sort of come in and be like, you know, supportive of him and congratulating him on that victory. And I got to say, afterwards, with the, uh, the Rise guys, Bobby Guns all posing together was a very nice sight, a sight I would like to see more of, to be honest. So... <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's a little, little connection. Um, certainly, it was very striking uh, in that other match, as you said. How fired up Bobby Guns was after the match, having to be basically restrained by officials and then referees, just being incensed that um, that the match uh, had been ended in such a, a cheap fashion. So, uh, Bobby Guns certainly not honorable fashion one. was his big thing, which, <laughs> indeed, just, I, which I, I just love. That's that's not. Bobby Guns, but that is Bobby Guns. Yeah, you know, that's about it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good stuff. Sure. Yeah, very, very good stuff. Um, so, yeah, we move on. Uh, we got three matches from the most recent show that dropped. Um, I actually think there's one more out now, which we'll talk about next week. But uh, November 23rd, uh, the WXW Shotgun live tour of Hamburg. Um, three matches picked out of this show, and I think uh, all of them really delivered quite well. Uh, Boy, they up, did. <laughs> yep. First up, we have PCO still hanging around this time, taking on David Starr. We always need more PCO. Um, mm. I can hardly think of a PCO match I've seen that I didn't think was uh, fantastic in one way or another. Just uh, great, great aura around the guy. Great presentation. Uh, you never know what you're going to get in his matches. They're always wild. They're out of out of control. David Starr uh, definitely having um, kind of recaptured my attention. Not that he ever really even lost it, but uh, I'll tell you, my friend, I don't know if you went back to watch the sets from last week, but do, do, do watch the David Starr-Yurin Simmons matches, because I think 
especially for me, the first one is my new match of the year. Um, that's saying a lot. So definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in this one. A lot of great little touches. I love uh, early on PCO like grabbing Star by the throat. Star is like trying to break the hold, like slam down on the arm, and PCO just won't let go of him. So he has to like peel his fingers off as PCO is like beating him up. So I just I love stuff like that. I don't know. I love fun presentation stuff. I love PCO diving all over the place. I love David Star throwing throwing lariats against everyone like they're uh, like they're Walter basically trying to just like knock their head off. Um, really great stuff. I, I had a blast with this. This match ruled. Like th- there's no other way to put it. This match just absolutely ruled. David Starr. Um, there's something about David Starr in WXW that is just he cannot recapture anywhere else. Like he's he's a good talent. Might even be a great talent, but he is just he is elevated to such a different level in WXW. I I, I can't quite explain that, but he's just so good in in the company. And this match, I think, yeah. was another really amazing example of that. He is working underneath against the monster, the French Canadian Frankenstein PCO, who is just a magnificent, magnificent monster of a wrestler. Just you know, I, I I too love him. Just locking in that goozle, that chokehold, and just David Starr not being able to break out of it until he literally has to, like, try to just break PCO's fingers to make him let go. Um, God, this match was just so good. I enjoyed the hell out of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, David Starr has to really go to another place physically, and in the end manages to somehow, someway, actually get his arms around PCO. Not just his body, his torso, but his arms as well to hit that uh, arm trap German suplex, uh, German suplex, the product placement to win. Um, just, just a great, awesome physical bout between these two. I absolutely had a blast with this one. Mm-hmm. Yep, and why wouldn't you? It was absolutely great. Um, so yeah, victory for David Sar, and uh, I feel like really, really earned that victory as well. You know, yes. he really came out, uh, and uh, after the things he did with Yarn Simmons, he was prepared. For a match like this, so um, so yeah, very cool stuff there. Indeed. Uh, later on the same card, we get a match uh, that's already been kind of alluded to. It is Lucky Kid taking on Marius Alani uh, for the Shotgun Championship. Um, we uh, we see some uh, clips before the match. Lucky Kid being uh, just just thrilled over the moon that he pinned Marius in that eight man tag. He's thrilled that he pinned uh, Tarkin Aslan, defeated him, and uh, kind of exercise that demon to some extent. Um, and uh, I, I love that these feuds really, like, meld into each other because uh, Marius Alani, you know, was part of the Tarkin Aslan feud, and now he, like, kind of comes into the main feud, and uh, it just it flows so well. I, I really love that. It feels very character-driven. Indeed. The thing I really loved about this particular uh, little promo and discussion here was that they were in, as uh, Pete Bouncer pointed out, they were in the same room, in the same, not just the same building, but the same room, the same area that Pete Bouncer first got betrayed by Tarkin Aslan, mm-hmm. by um, Marius Alani. And they're trying to basically almost seemingly recreate a new positive memory 
in that space of, you know, hyping up Lucky Kid before he goes out to attempt to win the Shotgun Championship. Uh, you know, it, it's Rise sort of coming together. Um, and unfortunately, it gets ruined for them a little bit by Maris Alani, who walks in and insults them and reminds them what happened last time uh, before basically saying, I'm going to win my title, I'm going to keep my belt, and walks off for uh, Pete Bouncer gets one more uh, snark in there, and uh, they sort of reestablish themselves as Rise. We are Rise, and Lucky Kids are going to go out there and win that match. Good stuff. Just, just really, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of fun to see Rise all on the same page, as it were. I feel like, you know, we see Lucky Kid a lot individually. We see Pete Bouncer and Ivan Kiev, you know, together, but it, it feels like we don't quite get, at, at least on our sets, quite as much actual, like, full-blown three people in Rise actually feeling like a unit. And this time, they really, really did. It came out so clear that, you know, all three of these guys are brothers-in-arms all together. They're going to be working towards the same goal of making sure Lucky Kid walks out of there with the Shotgun Championship, leading us into, um, I think, I don't know if it's necessarily my match of the year, but Oh boy! Just everything that goes into this match, everything that ends up happening in this match. This is, this is got to be in some discussion somehow, some way. At least is just one of my favorite events and moments from the year. Mm-hmm. Oh yep. boy! As always, WXW going above and beyond to kind of uh, put a lot of moving pieces together and create something uh, pretty dang special. Um, I've got to agree at the very least. Uh, this may be the best match that we're talking about on uh, on the set here. Um, it's right up there. Um, yeah, you get uh, before the match, Tarkin Aslan is uh, ejected by the referee before anything even goes down, which is uh, all well and good, which is probably the right call from the referee there. Um, once again, you get uh, really hot opening moments as uh, Lucky Kid basically right away does sort of, uh, it's sort of like La Mystica, uh, but then it ends up in a crossface instead of an armbar. Um, and I really love the way he does it. I think it's spectacular. You know, Marius counting that, immediately trying to do the ankle lock. Uh, they're just sprinting back and forth. Um, one of my low-key favorite moments of this match is that Lucky Kid does his usual, like, fake-out dive where he, like, rolls back and he's going to sit down. But this time, just when Marius Alani thinks he's safe, Lucky Kid actually dives on him. And that, that like... That like pays off all the fake dives so well. I don't know. I just, it, it, I it's really such a when they do that. It's simultaneously a small and a big thing that just changes like the course of a match. You know mm. what this guy's gonna do. It's a big taunt spot. Um, you, you sort of think that's just it, like he's gonna try to get in his face, but no. He literally sits there and he shakes his finger like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it this time, and runs off the ropes and dives onto Alani for real. And it is just, just, it's so cathartic. It is so good. It is just. It's great storytelling. It really is. Love mm-hmm. that. Love that spot. Agreed. Yep. Absolutely so good. great spot, for sure. Um, yeah, late in the match, uh, Tarkin Aslan comes back out, but uh, Ivan Kiev and Pete Bouncer show up to keep him at bay. But before they push him back, he does leave uh, his brass knuckles, the same ones he used to uh, take out Lucky Kid in that tag match we mentioned, the ones he's used consistently throughout this feud, Leaves him in the corner. Um, you have a great moment uh, where Lucky Kid power bombs Marius Alani, just like he did in the uh, eight-man tag, and it looks like he's about to get the win. Target Aslan tries to like rush the ring, 
and uh, is like bodily carried away by Kiev and Bouncer, which I thought was just an awesome visual. Uh, this leaves the referee, uh, after the very narrow kickout, um, to go and try to throw Target Aslan out again and rise as well, which leaves Lucky Kid in the ring with no referee and Target Aslan's knuckles. Um, and I was afraid they were going to overdo this because I don't always really like these melodramatic spots, but they don't milk it too much. Lucky Kid just thinks about it a little. Seems like he's not going to do it. And then he changes his mind. He's going to use it after all. He clobbers Mario Salani with the brass knuckles as revenge for kind of everything that's been done to him as part of this feud. Um, my, my, about the spot in particular, yeah, one of my favorite things about it is, I don't know if it was the way it was edited or the way it was shot, but it looked like you know, he picks up the knuckles and he's looking at him and he's thinking about him. And you get the sort of same, you know, idea of back when he was working with Tarkin Aslan, how Aslan would constantly be like, you know, here you go. Here's like, you know, this item, you know, cheat with it. Use it to beat this guy over here so you can, you know, advance. And he would always turn it down and be like, no, I can't do it. That's not how I want to do things. Mm-hmm. Well, he grabs the knuckles and he's looking at him. And the way it's edited, it immediately, like, in the middle of it, cuts to Pete Bouncer, who seems to be, like, nodding his head to something. And it looks like he might be nodding his head to Lucky Kid. Mm-hmm. So he decides, you know, he's looking at it. He looks like he's looked at Pete Bouncer. He's like, yeah, do it. And he decides... Well, I've had enough of Tarkin Aslan, and I've had enough of Marius Alani. Screw this. I'm doing it. Puts the knuckles on, clobbers him in the head, and it was just once again, I don't know how WXW does it, but they always manage to find, like, the perfect catharsis factor and manage to turn, like, just a great moment out of just just anything. Like, it was just so relieving and wonderful to watch Lucky Kid <laughs> literally punch his demons in the face with a pair of brass knuckles and just yeah. how much, you know, that pays off a whole bunch of stuff. Like, it's not just like he picked up a weapon and hit somebody with it. No. He's, this weapon has a meaning. Him cheating has a meaning. The two of those things coming together against a rival of his with a championship on the line. His brothers in arms literally telling him, you know, this time, buddy, if you want to do it, go and do it. And he does it. It's just, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. I, I cannot stress enough how good at storytelling WXW is. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, no, God, it's, this it's great. great. Um, and, uh, yeah, they just build up these compelling character moments. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I got the same read of it. It's like, okay, you know, Tarkon, you wanted me to cheat all those times? Well, guess what? I'm going to cheat now, you know, against... Uh, your new little friend who, uh, your little buddy who was, I can't stand who has my title. I got to take yeah, it from him. So absolutely. good. So great. I love it. Um, but yeah, uh, despite this, that you'd think that uh, lucky kid would get the win out of this, but uh, does not actually go down that way. Jeff, do you want to talk about how this match oh, ended? Yes. The very dramatic way that it finished up. Oh yes. Yeah. So this actually ends up getting kicked out of the, uh, the big spot with the, uh, knuckles. Um, they continue wrestling for a little bit more, and once again, it looks like Lucky Kid might be on his way to victory. Turns out Tarkin Aslan had one more trick up his sleeve. Um, just as it looks like, uh, he might be headed to victory, Lucky Kid. Lights suddenly go out in Hamburg. Nobody knows what's going on. There's a lot of sound. There's a lot of screaming. Everybody is surprised to see some movement. The lights come back on. And in the ring, alongside Lucky Kid and Marius Alani is the man 
making his return to his hometown, Damak. <laughs> we have not seen in so long. Seemingly left the company um, the same time uh, Bad Bones did. Maybe not necessarily actually leaving it, not necessarily leaving it with Bad Bones, but once Bad Bones was gone, so was Damak. He shows back up once again in his hometown, which, if you recall, he has been um, banned from by Bobby Guns from wrestling in. I don't know if that still counts technically. I don't know yeah, if there was like a time limit on that. Some but... resolution on that. He, you know, we weren't watching as closely at the time, but it definitely but occurred to me as well. Yeah. He is back in Hamburg in his Rise gear, and Lucky Kid is not happy about this. He is very concerned. He's almost scared and frustrated and upset that Damak is here. But before he can do anything about it, Mario Salani rolls him up. The referee counts three. And the title is retained by Marius Alani. The ninja escapes with the shotgun championship. And Damak simply stands there and Rise is very upset about this. Tarkin Aslan comes back, gets his knuckles back, ends up punching uh, ends up punching Lucky Kid as he tries to do something to uh, Damak. Uh, Ivan Kiev tries to run and he gets a punch as well. Pete Bouncer tries to run and he gets a punch as well. And ultimately, Damak grabs him, puts him in the unprettier, yells, I'm back! And drops Pete Bouncer with the unprettier. But that is not all. That is not the end. That is only the beginning of the end. Tarkin Aslan essentially fetches Marius Alani, puts him back in the ring, and with the three, these, these three just awful human beings standing together, all of them proceed to do the rise pose. All the, they extend the one finger into the air all together, doing the iconic um, rise signature pose, and end up leaving the ring together while se- seemingly the rise theme and video play in the background. This is a, once again, just fucking incredible storytelling from WXW. This is great. And B, this is just absolutely compelling and changes, like, the whole dynamic of this storyline in WXW. Demac is back, um, and there might be essentially a new rise trying to take over the moniker from the last three, like, Trueborn members of the group. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's fantastic. This is like I, I love this stuff. We've, we've seen it a few times in places like Dragon Gate. I remember BB uh, Hulk fighting for the Mad Blanky name and iconography from the actual stable. Like the, to, to me, that's just a cool concept of guys actually fighting over who gets to be like you know the official uh, flag bearer of a stable. Mm-hmm. So that's a cool storyline to me. Damak is back. Uh, he's teaming up with Tarkin Aslan and Marius Alani, which is just right now just a, one of my favorite pairings in the company. This is great stuff. Super compelling, super interested. Want to see where this goes. I am hyped up for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely so. Um, it's great uh, timing and execution, I think, in general, because uh, Demac. I always got the sense, I didn't watch as closely last year as I did this year, but uh, you always kind of got the sense that Demac was sort of the symbol of, like, the corruption of Rise. Because when Rise started, it was, like, kind of all these uh, sort of unknown guys sort of coming in, and they really didn't have a leader, and they were very unique, 
and they were just doing their own thing, and they were all, like, trying to be equals and break into this scene by force. And then Bad Bones uh, ended up as the leader of the group, even though still was trying to say there was no leader. And if I'm not mistaken, he brought in Demac to kind of, like, be his guy in Rise. So if anything, he's sort of a henchman of this, like, false figurehead. And now you sort of have it happening again with Targan Aslan building, like, this fake rise to uh combat the one that uh exists in uh in its original form so i think it's really cool um i agree i love the concept and i think it's being executed really well i really can't wait to see where it goes indeed i just i've i've, I've loved rise um for a while now i love this uh, particular trio of dudes especially lucky kids so to see them have a curveball thrown in their way like this after the betrayal of Tarkin Aslan, and now essentially the betrayal of Damak, um, this is just, it's awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Love it. Yep, yep, absolutely so. Uh, lots of great stuff that we can uh, check out in the coming weeks and months. Um, but that is not all. Before we get to the end, we do have one last WXW match, and it is for the Unification of the WXW Championship, which sort of got its lines split uh, when Andy uh, was unable to make one of his defenses due to injury, and they sort of had an interim title running at the same time. And it was sort of weird and confusing, but here it is, the match that will kind of put it all back together. An absolute Andy taking on Ilya Dragunov. Um, and uh, um, this is not my favorite match they had together, but there's a lot of stuff to really love in this match. Um it's very unique insofar as uh, most of it is fought without a referee. Apparently, it only had two referees. Uh, right at the start, Absalandi kicks one in the face, goes out to get a chair. Uh, the second referee comes down, takes the chair away, but Ilya knocks that referee out because they just want to get violent. They want to settle their issue. They don't want referees to disqualify anybody, which is how their last match ended. Um, and I thought that was great. And... Uh, I, my only complaint is I don't know if they really delivered then on that promise necessarily because the match was not exceptionally hardcore or anything. And I thought that was kind of like the point of it, um, like taking out these refs. Uh, but still, they did a lot of fun stuff. Um, it was very funny, like 20 minutes into this fight, one of the referee wakes up and like rings the bell finally. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, my only other complaint about this is I thought maybe it went on a little too long. Like there was maybe a little too much stuff in this match. Cause like there's a lot of kickouts and there are like more ref bumps and there is like, uh, like Andy tries to do like a fake out Eddie Guerrero disqualification thing. And it was a little much for me by the end, but still, uh, this is a great match and I really enjoyed a lot of it. Yes. Um, I, to me, this match is almost hard to, um, compare to everything else just because it is so radically different um, to what they've done in the past. Like you said, two ref knockouts, they're just so focused on violence, and then they kind of deliver on it, but a lot of it was just kind of like, it felt like very standard brawling. Right. You know, they like had a few spots. could have done with the referee awake, so. Yeah. Exactly. So makes that kind of uh, sort of hard to gauge why that was necessarily necessary um i i did love the spot where they were trying to 
it seemed like Ilya wanted to go to the outside, like from the ring to the outside. Couldn't do it, and they fought for a while to make that happen. And eventually Andy just kind of launches him into some chairs on the outside, just from the ring, just pushes him off into the crowd, into the chairs. That was a good spot. Unfortunately, I feel like we didn't get quite enough of that overall. You know, um, towards the end of the match when they sort of started picking things up with sort of, like you said, the Eddie Guerrero spot, and the referee's actually uh, coming back too, and all this sort of stuff. I actually ended up enjoying that, um, and especially the ending, where once it, you know things seem like they're figured out, Ilya's sort of gotten back on track. He's gonna, he's not gonna get disqualified. He's gonna be able to wrestle this match. Suddenly, what does Andy do? Same thing. Andy always does. Same thing he did to Bobby Guns to get to this match. Low blows him with the ref not looking, lifts him up, and it's that sit-out dominator. Pins him one, two, three. Everybody boos. Everyone's furious. The only one who isn't upset is Absolute Andy, the uh, once and reigning um, WXW Unified World Wrestling Champion mm-hmm. again. Properly, formally, um, formally, I should say, and yeah, just I, I, I enjoyed the ending. I enjoyed some of their brawling stuff, but this match felt, at least with the way they went about it, it just it, it felt like it wasn't quite necessary, and it, they didn't go far enough right, with the stuff right. they could have done. Not that the wrestling itself was bad, because it, it, it's Andy, it's Ilya, they're going to do some, some good stuff together, it's just how it goes, but it, it, it just didn't feel like... Um, it never really hit that gear of these two really absolutely despise one another. They've taken out the refs so they can handle their issues uh, personally. It just and then they never really quite did that out of outside of a uh, spot or two here or there. So All right, right. And I think uh, worth bearing in mind that the last time they fought, the match that did end in a disqualification, I think, was a genuine match of the year contender. Um, so it's a very high bar to live up to. Um, overall, still, I think a uh, very, very good match. Um, could have been better, but uh, still, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right, and yeah, I think that wraps up all of our WXW stuff. Uh, we are on the road to the anniversary show. Um, I'm not 100% sure what our shows will look like uh, kind of over the holidays, but I definitely hope to cover at least the big matches from that show because I think there's going to be a lot of really good stuff on it. Um, we'll keep bringing it to you week to week uh, as our schedule allows. So I uh, hope you will stay tuned. A lot of fun stuff from WXW. Just a real pleasure to watch. Um, Agreed. Definitely, uh, just like last year, uh, definitely a strong contender for just promotion of the year overall with everything they're doing. Loving them so much. It'll be hard to beat for me. So uh, we'll, we'll see what we get. But uh, some very, very excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, and now uh, we get to the part that I know that you have especially been itching to talk about probably for quite some time, a set of Dragon Gate matches. I think we may have as many as 11 we ended up with, which is, uh, oh, man, there's a lot. There's a lot to watch on this set, but uh, almost all of it I thought was extremely good. So uh, I will let you take the lead if you like, and we will get right into it. All right, let me make sure I got all these matches listed on here. As Ms. Finn said, there was a lot. Um and a lot of it was very, very good. I enjoyed pretty much everything we ended up watching on here. We've got some some big names, some of our uh, regular favorites, and let's get all right into it, starting 
um, August 7th, I do believe, a uh, six-man tag team match. A couple shows from the August 7th show. But uh, the first thing we're going to start with is Natural Vibes, the uh, trio of Genki Horiguchi, Punch Tominaga, and KZ taking on what might be one of my favorite trios ever in Don Fuji, Ryo Saito, and the, at the time, touring with Dragon Gate, Willie Mack. Um, <laughs> this is just um, uh, specifically one of the most fun things about this match and one of the most fun things about Willie Mack's uh, tour in Dragon Gate was his apparently mini-rivalry with Punch Tominaga, who seemed mm-hmm. to be uh, dead set on trying to prove himself against Willie Mack, and uh, nine times out of ten, failing miserably. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, what did you think about this match? Because i got to tell you, I had a wonderful time with it. Oh, what about you? I absolutely love this. You know, I, it was just great. Um, how could you not? You know, I absolutely just love the heck out of this match. Um <laughs> Like, just look at the, the six people involved, you know, it's, it's Willie Mack in Dragon Gate, which is wonderful, it's Punch Dominaga, who is, um, as always, just one of my absolute favorite guys, uh, sort of a lovable loser, um, but uh, a really great one, maybe one of my favorite ever guys who played that kind of role. I was about uh, to say, he, I, one of the things I regularly thought about during all of this, like in, in the uh, lead up to the show to actually like, discuss um, Punch Dominaga genuinely might be the world's greatest punching bag. He's just so <laughs> good in that role. Um, I, I, I really just cannot talk enough about, you know, how funny and how charismatic he is, how willing he is to sort of put himself out there as a loser type, you know, but but you you root for him. Like, that that's my thing about Punch Tominaga, especially in his face road. You kind of root for the guy. Like, you know, he, he tries really hard. He's got some interesting offense, uh, with his like flying uh, like headbutts that he does that don't come across as really like because he, he's like diving headfirst into guys like stomachs and stuff really just trying with that uh, punch perm and now his uh, bald spot since now everybody's like shaved it off basically his old hairstyle how dare Ata we're gonna talk about that later but <laughs> he's like trying he's fun he's energy he's energetic he's engaging he's got you know very unique offense. Um, and no matter how hard he tries, no matter how many chops he throws, no matter how many big boots he gets in there, just it's it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. I'm sorry. <laughs> he Sometimes did it does. Tagaki one time, so don't he tell did me pin Shin- Shingo Tagaki. He was, he is a former Brave Gates champion, which was a great moment. But nine times out of ten, he's gonna go up there and he's gonna chop the guy. And unfortunately for him, the guy is someone like. Don Fuji. Sometimes it's uh, like it was in this match. Willie Mack, who did not take kindly to trying to be chopped by Punch Tominaga, and he just regularly blows up in Punch's face, and we love him for it every time. He's just so good, so much fun. I love pretty much every time getting a chance to see Punch Tominaga do his thing, because his thing is great. Yep. He's kind of like a Tominaki Hanma, who doesn't uh, concuss himself constantly. So, um... That same sort of lovable, I think, uh, attitude. Um, and he's just a weird guy. I just love how weird he is. <laughs> I, I think that is um, true. as much as it is like really easy to root for him, I still hope that he turns into a heel again because I think that's where he's at his best. And Mondai Ryu, I think, is still a face, which is just baffling to me and has killed my interest in watching Mondai Ryu, uh, which is sad. But some people are just meant to be in that kind of role, I think. So that's uh-huh. my opinion. Really do hope he... Uh, Monday in particular gets back to that because yes. 
I, I genuinely felt he was going to do that when like Antios formed, and then that didn't happen. I was kind of hoping he'd somehow, especially after Over Generation broke up, might get uh, brought into Red at some point. That hasn't happened yet, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, it, hopefully it does though, because he's really good in that role. But um, to focus back on this match, um, Kinky Horiguchi and KZ working with Punch Tominaga. Those guys are good. Um, Don Fuji and Rio Saito, very fun together. But Willie Mack. I think, as he basically was his whole tour in Dragon Gate, really the star here, just... I don't know what else there is to say about Willie Mack at this point. We've seen him in Lucha Underground. We've seen him in a whole bunch of other places. We've seen him in bar wrestling. Um, The guy is just everywhere, and everywhere he is, he is awesome. So, loved seeing him here in Dragon Gate, and in this match in particular, I thought he just, you know, he gets right in. He just feels like he's a part of Dragon Gate. He doesn't come in and it looks like a guy who's trying to, like, figure it out, trying to, like, mold himself into it. He just comes in and he's just a natural fit into Dragon Gate. Um, ends up picking up the win for his team here. Good work overall in this match, and I am so hopeful that at some point down the line we will see Willie Mack once again in Dragon Gate, because it was just a great tour for him, I thought. Um, love seeing him. Hopefully he comes back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so. Following that matchup, we've got a, a another uh, trios match here. Um, the maximum duo of Ben K and Masato Yoshino teaming with a future maximum member in Dragon Kid as they take on the then stable Antios. Takashi Yoshida, who's got his issue with uh, Masato Yoshino at the time. I don't remember if he was coming off his uh, open the. Dreamgate match, or if he was leading up into it, but they've got their contendership issues between uh, Yoshida and Yoshino. Mm. Um, Shingo Tagaki um, and Eita, who has, um, at this point, been feuding with Dragon Kid for forever and a day, it seems, this entire year. So, mm. more of that stuff between these two. Um, yeah, this was another good one, I thought. Um, it was... I, I've almost forgotten about Shingo Tagaki, unfortunately, because I don't watch... <laughs> New Japan, so after his, like, debut in the first few matches, I haven't exactly seen him or heard from him, so it was nice to be able to sort of, you know, get back into a Dragon Gate set and see him again. That was uh-huh. nice. So yeah. That was good. Uh, Miz Van, what did you think on this match? Oh, it was another great one. I, I don't know if there's any match on this set that I didn't think was at least good, and most of them uh, I really did think were great. Uh, the match was sort of about... Um, Yoshido and Yoshino, which is confusing now that I say it out loud, but uh, Cyber Kong and Masato Yoshino, uh, essentially, because I believe they were building up to their title match at the time, but what I want to talk about is, I was talking about it before, Ben K, if they do not build the company as with this guy as like one of their biggest stars, then I think they are tremendously missing out, because man, like, I just think he just exudes star power, from every pore in his body, he's a fresh talent, he's a spectacular talent, and I think he should be the freaking uh, Dream Gate champion within a year or two, if not sooner. Indeed. If I, if I had to label a few guys who I think should uh, essentially be the future for either the short term or the long term for Dragon Gate, Ben K is probably one of the first names on that list. You know, between him, Big R Shimizu, Eita, KZ... Shun Skywalker, Kaito Ishida, uh, Yosuke Santa Marita, U- UT. Uh, Dragon Gate has a whole bunch of you know really solid, you know still fairly young talents 
in their company. And I don't think any of them, you know, as good as a lot of these guys are, KZ included, um, I just I don't know if any of them have that sort of bubbling star power just underneath the surface that Ben K has. He's 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 very young into his career. He's only like two or three years in at most, and he is this talented. He is this you know fun to watch. It's just it's spectacular. He was great in this match. He squared off against uh, Shingo Tagaki a few times, um, which was great to see. Um, Dragon Kid and Ada continuing their feud and their issue. Um, like you said, uh, Cyber Kong and Masato Yoshino continuing their issue. This was a, a really solid bout, I thought, here. A lot of sort of moving parts in here, as we like to say. You know, a lot of different uh, rivalries going on. And it was actually kind of cool to see Dragon Kid teaming with Maximum before actually becoming a member of Maximum later down the line. So that was also cool. So really mm-hmm. like this one. Good stuff. Yep, yep, absolutely so. We move on to a um, September 21st uh, show, the uh, 69th edition of Prime Zone, and their first one, their first Prime Zone, in their new uh, Prime Zone building, basically. Um, They moved out of the old one um, into the new, it's seemingly much more spacious uh, arena for them now. It's a, a very big thing here. Um, and it is a another match between an, another squaring off between Willie Mack making his uh, Prime Zone debut and Punch Tominaga, uh, who is going to once again try as he might to chop down Willie Mack and fail the whole way through. He does get a few uh, good shots in, but it's it's, it's Willie Mack. It's just it's not going to happen, unfortunately. But this was another fun match. Love Prime Zone. Love Prime Zones. Sort of a sense of humor that comes out every so often in these matches. Um, yeah, just, just just some good stuff here. Punch Tominaga at one point trying to hip toss Willie Mack, who turns a uh, the denial of the hip toss into a dance move before uh, throwing Tominaga himself. Um, and he got some to win the match. He got some ridiculous height and distance on a frog splash to just crush down on poor Punch. Good stuff here. Um, yeah, just a fun time. Another good uh, punch, Willie Mac, um, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so. Yeah, I had a great time with this as well. As you said, very fun sense of humor. Um, I'll say thank you to 2018 for allowing this match to exist. Because um, uh, <laughs> who would have thought we would see this match? Um, you know, everyone out there, you all have your dream matches, whatever. Push Tomonaga and Willie Mac. That's for me. Um, yeah. Um, just love it. It's uh, so much fun. Indeed, indeed. A little short match there, eight minutes long, but it was a lot of, filled with a lot of good stuff. But um, after that, we move into, I think, a, a heavy hitter on the uh, match list here from uh, September 24th. A open the Twin Gate Championship match between the defending Tribe Vanguard team of BB Hulk and Yamato taking on the Challengers, a uh, mentor and student pairing who are also entered into the All Japan uh, Junior uh, Tag League, uh, the duo of Masaki Mochizuki and Shun Skywalker. Um, yeah, that was which, that was which actually tag league. Did they end up in? Did you say the All Japan All oh. Japan Tag League? They, um, um, I like Mochizuki, and uh, I I liked Shun Skywalker in this match. 
But they should have sent B.E. Hulk and Yamato. So, all right, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the uh, process was. I have no idea what that uh, sort of uh, agreement is between companies, but um, I don't know. I don't know, but it was yeah, cool to see uh, uh, Mochizuki and Skywalker chosen for that. Mochizuki, because he's, you know, fairly well-known name in the uh, Japanese independent circuit, been doing it for a while, so... Always cool to see him get an opportunity. And shoot Skywalker, for being as young as he is, is just, I think, a tremendously fun high fire who will only get better with age. Um, so the two of them getting that opportunity to be in uh, All Japan and do that tag league was cool. And as part of the uh, sort of working thing here in Dragon Gate, ended up getting a shot at the Twin Gate Championships between uh, currently held at the time by BB Hulk and Yamato. And gotta say, this was another really good defense for the tribe vanguard duo they have been killing it as twin gate champions i i know some people i i know you will not like this conversation as i talk about people who don't like uh bb hulk and don't like yamato or thought they weren't i just uh, why, quite i don't know good, why but. you have to give attention to these very wrong people <laughs> you know just be, mostly because i can set myself up as um essentially having uh Better taste, essentially. Like, I don't understand why people were hating on uh, Yamato for a little bit during his Dreamgate reign, and I've never really understood the dislike of BB Hulk, because I love these two. Um, as Twin Gate champions, they've just, like I said, they've been killing it, and I thought they did another good job here in this match. Miz fan, I know you're a big BB Hulk fan. Um, I know you've been uh, enjoying this as well, probably. What are your thoughts on this, uh, this very interesting Twin Gate match? Uh, well, I'll say for one thing that uh, Shun Skywalker both has much better gear than he had before, which helps him a lot. Um, and also, he looks a hell of a lot better than the last time I saw him. I don't know if he just didn't get to show his stuff last time or what, but uh, definitely uh, my opinion of him raised quite a bit because of this match. Um, he was very impressive. Uh, Mochizuki did well as well, although I don't think uh, he can match kicks with BB Hulk. Um, I can't imagine like a person who prefers Mochizuki to BB Hulk like that. My mind cannot really wrap around that, but I'm sure that's probably, that may even be the majority opinion. I, I really don't know, but uh, yeah, this, and, and, uh, this was a fantastic match. I loved it. And, and, and not to spoil your discussion, but you're, uh, you're talking to one right now. Uh. Oh, well, <laughs> then you're also a wrong person, so How dare you? go talk How to your dare other you? wrong Twitter people with your wrong opinions. Oh, man. Fighting I don't here know, on man. The Bibi Hulk just does it for me. Like, every time I see him, he he's just incredible to me. Uh, it took me longer to appreciate Mochizuki, who is also extremely good. Um, but I don't know. I'm a BB Hulk guy. That's, that is quite fair enough, because I, too, am a big, uh, not necessarily one of my top three guys, but, you know, BB Hulk to me is really good. Puts on really solid performances. I've always enjoyed his uh, his bumping ability. He's a guy who makes everybody look like a million bucks while also looking like a million bucks himself. So um, this was a good match. There's some hectic action towards the end there. At one point, um, Yamato and Mochizuki basically roll into one another's um, ankle locks kind of continuously like two or three times. That was great. Um, there was uh, some really close uh, roll-up near falls here from Shun Skywalker. And even though I knew um, the Tri-Vanguard team was going to win, they did had me on edge a few times with some of those roll-ups. Um, yeah, this was, a, a, I think, a really good performance for Shun Skywalker. 
very specifically. You know, a great showing once again for the Tri Vanguard team who end up picking up the victory um, as VB Hulk basically just annihilates Porshun with the uh, first flash super kick and picks up the pinfall win here. Good stuff. Just good, tremendous stuff. And really want to say that uh, Hulk and Yamato might be, um, as it stands, right now, currently, on this day in 2018, might be one of the best tag teams in the world going right now. Yeah. Bar none. Yeah. Just got to say that. I, uh, I I do not disagree. They are absolutely awesome in this match and uh, every time I've seen them. <laughs> so that's uh, 924. We're moving on to uh, October 2nd in another really interesting match. One more showing from uh, Punch Tominaga, who I think has got at least one more match on here to talk about. But on this show, he's in a singles match, October 2nd, against a um, fairly well-known uh, freelancer, Kai, um, who was dressed in a Shingo Takaki shirt, which, um, all things considered, especially taking on poor Punch Tominaga, feels very wrong. Feels very bad. That feels <coughs> that feels like you're insulting Punch Tominaga. I'm sorry. That's may, not... may well be, indeed. Um, um, yeah, this, uh, as you might guess, is kind of the new face of this part of the set, of the Dragon Gate set. Uh, Kai, a name that I've seen floating around a lot in a lot of different places, but I think I've never actually seen before, so I figured who better to watch him against than uh, my man Punch. Um, definitely agree with you on Kai. This might be my... I feel like I've watched one or two um, Dragon Gate matches he was involved in earlier this year. He seems to be of, uh, picking up some dates with Dragon Gate. Not really a uh, full-time worker or anything, but he's uh, showing up here and there every so often. Um Punch was probably a pretty solid start uh, for that sort of thing as well. Uh, what did you think on this one? Because this didn't, uh, personally for me, this didn't uh, blow me away or anything. But what were your thoughts on seeing Kai versus Punch, Tommy Naga? Uh, well, I definitely enjoyed the match, but I do think it was one of the weaker ones uh, on the set. Um, I love Punch. I love all his shtick. Kai seemed fine. Like, I thought he did everything perfectly well, but he didn't really stand out to me in any particular way either. Um, the big moment of the match for me is when Punch tried one of his Matrix dodges, and it actually worked, so God bless him for that. <laughs> Indeed. Um, like Punch, but I, the most I can say about Kai is that he is um, he is passable, he is serviceable, he is, is alright. Um, having seen him in, like I said, two or three matches... Uh, counting this one, that's that's basically my big takeaway of the man. Is he is is fine. He's he's not spectacular. He's not amazing. He hasn't wowed me yet. Um, and I've never really gotten the sense that he kind of has that sort of next level in him the way I do with certain guys of that nature. Right. Um, he's he's just all right. He's fine. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but punch was fun here. Unfortunately for punch, once again, ends up uh, with the short end of the stick, getting dropped by a. Uh, uh, a pumping bomber, um, all things considered. They're running a lariat while wearing a Shingo Tagaki shirt. It's got to be a pumping bomber. It's just got to be. Before eating a uh, Samoan-style driver, Samoan driver-style move, and pinning him one, two, three. So, sorry, Punch, once again, picking up picking up the L, which is uh, par for the course. But uh, I thought he performed admirably in this match, did Punch Dominaga. Yeah, yeah, absolutely so. 
Uh, moving on, we have a, another Prime Zone episode, the second one emanating from the new Prime Zone arena from October 19th, mm-hmm. the uh, 70th edition of Prime Zone in a, a fun tag team match as uh, Punch Tominaga teams with Susumu Yokusuka of Natural Vibes to take on the maximum duo of Dragon Kid and Naruki Doi. Now, um, this wasn't in the, uh, the set timings, but I don't know if you watched before the match happened. I don't know. What did uh, I miss? Uh, well, I don't know if you know this about Prime Zone, but on Prime Zone, um, Ryo Saito and Naruki Doi have the world's weirdest one-sided friendship, where uh, Ryo Saito loves Naruki Doi, and uh, Naruki Doi would kind of rather deal with deal with anyone and anything else other than Ryo Saito. <laughs> um, and this doesn't help because um, because Saito is the uh, sort of main primary ring reporter of Prime Zone, so he regularly interacts with uh, basically everybody, but kind of forces Naruki Doi to interact with him. Um, before this match, uh, this is all I managed to catch a few uh, about a minute or so before the match actually starts. Apparently. Um, Ryo Saito coming out in an I Heart Doi shirt. I Heart Doi was doing the tru- uh, the uh, Natural Vibes dance alongside um, KZ Susumu and Punch Tominaga. Um, I-, I-, I don't know why. He was just there. He was just doing it with them. <laughs> and apparently this incurred the wrath of Naruki Doi, who proceeded to yell him off and tell him to buzz off. How dare you wear a shirt? And then dance with my opponents in this match. Just, just, just a fun, goofy little thing before this match that uh, Prime Zone is uh, kind of known for. If you uh, want to go back and watch that little segment, it was fun. It was very fun. But um, this leads into the match between Maximum Natural Vibes, and uh, I think just the big thing for me, Susumu Yokusuka kept trying to do uh, Dragon Kid's uh, knee drop into the handstand into the second knee drop and failed miserably at least three times. It was fantastic. <laughs> That was great. It's yeah. great. Yeah, good stuff here. What did you What did you think of uh, this bizarre little uh, Prime Zone tag team match here? Oh, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I love Punch losing his bandana early on and selling it like a mortal injury. Um, to be fair, it basically work. is at this point with the way his <laughs> hair was looking. It's been abused so much, and uh, actually, my favorite thing in this whole set has to do with Punch's hair, and that, that's coming later. But um, uh, yeah, I, I loved yeah the stuff with the uh, the knee drop. I loved uh, Dragon Kid. Yeah, like trying to be fancy and getting his hand stepped on. Um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff in this. I I, I enjoyed Prime Zone quite a bit, and uh, I'm sad I missed some of the real Saito weirdness because um, it's a lot of fun. Indeed, um, if I had to describe my like general sense of humor. It would probably just be Dragon Gate Prime Zone. Like, that that's just <laughs> the silly, goofy, weird things that they do that aren't, like, super bizarre, but they're just, like, there was no reason to have done that when you did it anyway, and it was funny. I don't know. Dragon Gate has always sort of hit that really sweet spot for me of being, like, a really great company and, you know, puts on these great matches, has all these great characters, but also just has some really funny comedy stuff in there as well, so... This had a couple of good examples of that throughout the match. In the end, Maximum ends up picking up the victory and winning the match here. Um, very unfortunate. Once again, I think Punch Tominaga has lost every match he has been in uh, so far. It's very... Ah, <laughs> oh, it's not great. But... Um, oh, yeah. 
poor guy. Move on. Um, two days later, October 21st, got a couple of matches for you here. Um, the first match is Tribe Vanguard, the team of BB Hulk and Yosuke Santa Maria, teaming up to take on Ryo Saito and Don Fuji, making another appearance on our show. Um, which, of course, means, as usual, there's going to be some Don Fuji versus Yosuke Santa Maria antics, which is always a fantastic time. Love Don Fuji bullying basically everyone he ever comes into contact with. Um, Yosuke Santa Maria and Punch Tominaga being his uh, personal punching bags at the moment. But um, for this match, um, Ryo Saito is basically the now new official Gong Kids uh, spokesperson, if you were unaware the former stable over generation would do this thing where they would basically call a kid up from the crowd they'd have a short interview with them and they would essentially allow them to ring the uh ring bell when the uh match would begin just you know just a kind of cute kid-friendly thing that they do um uh with uh over generation gone saito has sort of picked up that role of doing that interviews a kid who proceeds to say his favorite wrestler was jason lee which is a cool name to hear <laughs> on these segments um, but before the match, you know, as they go to begin the match, the uh, gong kid goes to ring the bell and fails. He fails the first time. He, like, hits the wooden part of the bell instead of the bell itself, causing everybody to do a uh, the uh, embarrassed face plant uh, thing that they do. Um, Don <laughs> Fuji falling out of the ring and seemingly injuring himself. Um, eventually, the kid gets it right. Um, hits the bell, everybody begins, and everything is fine for the rest of the match. So, fun stuff. Just fun little, just fun little goofy, cutesy things like that is why I really love uh, some of the stuff Dragon Gate does. So, that was fun, and we get into what I thought, and I don't know about you, but a really good tag team match. Just another really good match here from Dragon Gate. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun with this one as well. Um, you, you've got to love... Uh, a match with these four people involved. I mean, uh, it's our first time looking at uh, Yosuke Santa Maria. Um, she and Don Fuji have one of my favorite like relationships in wrestling. I think um, Ryo Saito has grown on me a lot as I've kind of gotten to know sort of his like humorous side, which I think is maybe his strongest uh, thing. Not that he's uh, not a great wrestler as well. So, And it's my man B.B. Hulk, so you know it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Indeed. Speaking of Rio Saito, uh, early on he had some uh, fairly goofy moments with Yosuke Santamaria. Uh-huh. Um, at one point, uh, going from an electric chair to like a sort of... <coughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like a platform sort of thing, holding uh, Yosuke Santamaria in the air while she like posed and taunted before slamming her on her face very angrily. Um, just goofy stuff like that. Don Fuji's going to be squaring off as well. You know, that's going to be fun between those two. Um, and B.B. Hulk is here, as you said. B.B. Uh, Hulk um, bringing some levity to this match. Some much-needed levity and seriousness <laughs> to a overall goofy affair. Um, really love uh, Yosuke in this match as well. She's just gotten so good as a wrestler, um, both between her more comedic side, really just getting in there as an actual, like, you know, straightforward fighter in the ring. I think she's good on that front as well. But um, unfortunately for her, that is not going to pay off for her in this match because Don Fuji just murders her a few times with choke slams and ends the match with an avalanche choke slam off the second rope, just dropping her down and pinning her one, two, three after what was a very fun match, mixing up some good comedy elements and some good uh, serious ones as well. 
Um, yeah, good good tag team match here, I thought. Really enjoy seeing all four of these competitors and in a tag team match like this. They delivered. They delivered. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely so. A lot of fun in this one. Mm-hmm. Moving on to some, uh, some big heavy-hitting stuff as we get later in this set, though. The next match from this uh, October 21st show is a Atomico's match featuring Natural Vibes, the team of uh, Ginky Horiguchi, Susumu Yokusuka, KZ, and once again, our boy Punch Tominaga. Yeah, Punch Tominaga, let me pronounce that name correctly. Um, taking on the R&D foursome of Eita, Big Arshimizu, Takashi Yoshida, and Pac, who at this point, uh, if you were not aware, you should be, but if you were not Pac, uh, returning to Dragon Gate as a heel, joining up with uh, the uh, monstrous stable R.E.D. And in the process, just want to quickly say, I think turning uh, R.E.D. from a slightly underwhelming group to an amazing group. Because now it's Ata, it's the Big Ben duo, it's Takashi Yoshida, and it's Pac all running around. The uh, sort of bitter pill to swallow of Kazuma Sakamoto being their first surprise entrant. Um, kind of being washed away by the arrival of Pac. So I think the stable is coming into their own, and they had a great showing here against, um, I'd say, probably the top face group in Drangate in Natural Vibes. So this was another barn burner of a match. Everybody performing wonderfully here, with part of the big story being, um, as Ms. Fan alluded to, and I'll let him take the reins over on this, just more abuse of Punch Tominaga's hair. Just more <laughs> abuse of it in this match. Oh, man. I, it, one of the most heelish things I've seen all year, absolutely, is Ata just pummeling Punch in the corner, and then kind of mounting up on the ropes and getting out a razor and shaving off more of this poor man's hair, which is just destroyed at this point. It's it's a disaster. It's it's awful. I, I can't believe that it happened to poor Punch, and I hope I hope... He comes and wins some sort of feel-good hair-versus-hair match at some point to kind of pay all of this off, because otherwise I'm just starting to feel bad for the guy. Indeed. Well, I don't know if you are aware, but uh, during this match, Dragon Kid comes out to try to save I noticed, uh, yeah. Punch Tominaga, because once again, he and uh, Ata have their issue with one another. And on December 18th, at one of their uh, sort of end-of-the-year shows, I think it might actually be the straight-up final gate, it will be... Um, Dragon Kid versus Ata in a mask versus hair match, I do believe. Might be just a mask versus title match, as uh, Ata is the Brave Gate champion. But, um, yeah, Ata is going to have some serious stuff on the line as he attempts to uh, take Dragon Kid's mask um, in the near future. So, yeah, you might get um, close to your wish here. Won't necessarily be a punch Tominaga doing it, but, um, yeah, Ita might be, uh, losing his hair at some point in the near future, potentially. Mm, yeah, well, it's a good build-up for it. I always love matches like that, so maybe we'll have a chance to, uh, check that one out. We'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But as far as this match goes, um, a lot of fun stuff in here. I, I love basically everyone in Natural Vibes, so getting a chance to see them, um, working here against... Everybody was great. Um, I really like the way uh, R.E.D. has come together, and seeing Pac back in the ring mm, is yeah. just—it's just a—it's just a beautiful thing. It's just so nice to see him back, especially in a place 
like um, Dragon Gate that you know is going to appreciate him, that you know is just going to um, love having him back. Um, really just, just, just great stuff in general. Um, overall, in the end, R.E.D. does pick up the victory in, um, if I recall, this was the ending of the match where um, everybody sort of cleared out. It looks like a pocket setting up for not the British Airways or the Red Arrow, but the Black Arrow, his signature corkscrew shooting star press. Looks like he's going to hit it on punch. Tominaga climbs to the top rope, extends his arm, stands up, and says no. Climbs down to the bottom, gets down to the ring, picks Punch Tominaga up, and just brutalizes him with a jumping tombstone pile driver before pinning him one, two, three. Poor Punch, once again, has lost every match he has been involved in, and this time at the hands of just that just horrid bastard Pac, as he is now known. Bastard Pac. Not just Pac, not, not, not Neville, not Adrian Neville, Bastard Pac. Um, picking up the victory <laughs> for R.E.D. here. Good stuff, I thought. Good stuff. But um, that leads into arguably uh, one of the two biggest matches on our set, and certainly the biggest match in terms of number of participants. <laughs> um, yes. From the uh, November 6th show, we've got a three-on-three-on-three-on-three Elimination uh, Trios match as uh, representatives from Maximum, Jason Lee, Noruki Doi, and Masato Yoshino take on representatives from um, Natural Vibes, Genke Horiguchi, Sumo Yokusuke, and KZ take on <coughs> excuse me, take on representatives from Tribe Vanguard, BB Hulk, Yamato, and Flamita, and taking on representatives from R.E.D. Big R. Shimizu, Ben K and Pac. This is one of the uh, big matches that was made in the wake of Pac returning uh, when he took on a uh, Shingo Tagaki and VB Hulk alongside Ata. This is one of the big things made out of that show. And this was a big one. This was a long one. And this was a really, really good one. I enjoyed the heck out of this match. Ms. Van, what did you think of these four teams squaring off? Because gotta say, at least as far as Dragon Gate goes, this might be maybe one of my top three or top five matches from them all year long. Just some really great stuff here. What did you think? I could definitely uh, see that argument. Uh, it was very long, but very fun. Um, a lot of standout guys uh, really just showing off the deep talent pool of the company. Um, yeah, a, a tremendous amount of standout stuff. I love the bit with like all the four flyers kind of coming in facing off, each doing their different things. Um, I loved uh, Ben K again, doing a great job. Flamita looking awesome. Uh, Big Oshimizu, yeah, I thought looked awesome in this match. And uh, I don't know if I'd seen his new look before. A uh, very different thing with the kind of a longer blonde hair and the different gear and everything. Um, definitely visually different, but I thought uh, he really did spectacularly. So, no, I had an absolute blast with this match. Yeah, this was um, just... There's, there's so much, and there's also a whole bunch of little stuff in here as well. Everybody, uh, early on after Yamato does his hair part, a few guys uh, do their own version yeah, of yeah. the hair part. Um, uh, there was at one point, uh, uh, Susumu had Big Arshimizu in a figure four, um, and they were sort of fighting back and forth for control in it. And Shimizu would roll over, and he would put the uh, apply the pressure in reverse on Susumu. 
And the first time it happened, um, Horiguchi and KZ ran in and just rolled him back over on his back so that the pressure would go back <laughs> onto him. Um, so he tried it one more time. Only the second time, uh, Tribe Vanguard came in there and rolled him back over so the pressure would get back on him. There's, there's a couple of just little segments where everyone was just very visually against um, R.E.D. at one point. Pac gets his arm jumped on by literally all the faces in the match. <laughs> at one point, I think it was Ben K who just absorbed uh, literally all the other faces in the match uh, running on him in the corner after R.E.D. did something similar to uh, one of the face members of the team of the group, the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, really just uh, Dragon Gate at its best, I've always said, is when they just have a whole bunch of dudes in a match. Uh-huh. It's a tag match, trios match. A multi-team trios match, just once, like, more than two people are squaring off against one another, you get, um, I think, Drangate at their best. And this, I think, was a spectacular example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, R.E.D. ends up picking up the victory. Uh, the first team eliminated ends up being uh, the trios team, uh, Tribe Vanguard's uh, Triangle Gate champions, actually. Or not Tribe, the Natural Vibes Triangle Gate champion trio as Flamita pins uh, Horiguchi off the Flam Fly. Um, after that, though, R.E.D. basically takes over and eliminates the last two teams with uh, Pac hitting the Black Arrow to end up winning the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good stuff here, and it ends up setting up um, some big stuff down the line, but as far as this match goes before we get to that next one, really, really good. Loved this bout. Loved it a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Very, very good bout. Now, that's going to lead us into <coughs> oh, excuse me, we're going a little bit long here, but this does lead us into um, one of our two sort of additional matches added to the set. Um, the first one being the very important, very notable um, Open the Dreamgate Championship match, where uh, the returning uh, Pac, you know, finally making his, de- his re-debut in Dragongate, coming back, winning a few matches, going one-on-one against Open the Dreamgate champion Masato Yoshino in a match that will undoubtedly be shaking the very foundation of Dragongate going forward in a uh, in a big way, I think. Um, uh, for me, this match is another one that starts off hot on this overall episode of The Global Revolution, as Pac actually attacks Masato Yoshino during the playing of the national anthems before the Dreamgate bout, which is something I don't think I've ever actually seen from the company literally ever. Right. So right, the fact yeah. that you know they're playing "God Save the Queen" or whatever for the uh, uh, for Pac, and he just assaults uh, poor Masato Yoshino, who never sees it coming, and after that, everything just uh, gets off and running from there. Um, Ms. Fang, gonna toss it over to you. What did you think of? Um, this Dreamgate match. I know uh, Dreamgate singles matches aren't really always our cup of tea, and I know specifically, I don't think, um, at least the vibe I picked up from you is that you're not always in love, especially with uh, Masato Yoshino in singles matches. I don't well, know. It's, um, I don't know if that's fair exactly, because I, I really, really like Masato Yoshino. Um, it's Agreed. true, I don't always like... Uh, Dreamgate title matches, because I think sometimes they're just uh, needlessly long and full of kickouts 
And um, it's also true that I sort of think of Yoshino as a lame duck champion, uh, both of the last two times that he's held that title. It really seemed like there was momentum to put it on someone else, and then he just sort of won it in an underwhelming way. Um, So it's really nothing against Yoshino. It's more maybe against the style and some of the booking that Dragon Gate does for these matches. But I love this match, honestly. I thought uh, it's one of the better Dreamgate title matches uh, I've ever seen. Like you said, I love Pac attacking someone during the playing of his anthem. Uh, I agree, not something that I have seen before from this company. Thought it was great. Pac, super aggressive, super athletic, throwing Yoshino into piles of chairs, flipping away from moves, doing great counters, throwing Yoshino up, like, like to the ceiling at one point, you know, it seemed, and just letting him crash down onto his face. Um, Yoshino did very well, but this was all about Pac, or some people say, like, like maybe his match with Flamita was not as good as they wanted it to be, maybe this, maybe that. I don't know, I, I didn't see that match, but in this performance, I thought he looked spectacular, and I love, love, love that he won the title, and I think that was absolutely the right move, and uh, I'm, I couldn't be happier about it, to be honest. Indeed. Going to basically echo pretty much all of your sentiments here about this match. I really enjoyed it. I thought Pac looked great. I liked a sort of little subtle storytelling in that Yoshino basically tired himself out both times he applied the sole Naciente. Uh, the first time he ends up getting that power bomb from Pac, and the second time, by the time all was said and done, uh, with that second sole Naciente, Pac not only escapes but he still ends up having enough in the tank left to end up uh, taking the title away from Yoshino. And at that point, Yoshino just didn't have an answer. He's tried to hit the lightning spiral. At one point, he attempted to hit a flying sling blade out of the corner, only to see Pac land on his feet from it, just basically backflip and moonsault onto his feet out of a very dangerous move. And I I think that was sort of the big takeaway from this match. Like, that moment really sort of epitomized how this match was going to go. Yoshino had a plan. Yoshino wanted to do some <laughs> some big, heavy-hitting stuff. But when he went to do it, Pac just found his way out of it. Mm-hmm. Whether he had to endure it and, you know, continue moving on, or if he literally just countered his way out of it and took no damage and really didn't even exhaust himself, um, that, that was really how this match went. And in the end, Pac does become the new Open the Dream Gate champion, only the second Gaijin ever to win the belt. Mm. First after Ricochet years ago. So that's cool. That's a huge thing happening for Dragon Gate. New champion, especially in the form of arguably, um, I really can't even call him a free agent since it does seem like a Dragon Gate is his home, but one of the biggest names back on the independent scene, Pac becoming their uh, their champion in the face of the company right now. So that's a big one. Congratulations and big ups to Pac. I've always been a, uh, a big uh, favorite of mine. You know, glad to see him back in Drangate and glad to see him continuing to kick butt because it is great. Great to see him back not only in the company, but uh, really in the world of professional wrestling as well since uh, being sort of forced on the sidelines by uh, WWE a few months back. So, glad to see Pac back and kicking butt. Mm, mm, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, great stuff here. I, I thought um, this was a great set. Do we have one more match to talk about or no? We 
do actually uh, manage to get to this match. Um, the final match we have on here is uh, sort of a thrown-together late match, but definitely worth the viewing. It is going to be a, uh, a singles match, a very Dragon Gate singles match, between UT and Shun Skywalker. And if you are unaware, the two of them are actually in a sort of feuding stables, uh, having some issues with one another, are UT and Shun Skywalker. UT part of Tribe Vanguard, Shun part of the unofficial group, the Mochizuki Dojo. Him, uh, Yuki Yoshioka, and Hyo Watanabe, basically all students right now, under uh, Masaki Mochizuki. And very specifically, uh, UT's been taking issue with that sort of group of youngsters, and sort of culminated in this singles match between uh, Shun Skywalker and UT. Um, Very uh, clashing styles here, as a Shun, the more uh, high-flying of the two. Uh, UT's been picking up some Yave, some submission skills in uh, Lucha Libre that he's been adding to his arsenal over the last few months. Two of them get in the singles match to sort of hammer some things out between the two of them, uh, sort of solve their, or at least try to solve their simmering issues and dislike of one another in what I thought was a really good and um, seemingly really hot showcase for these two. The fans were really into this one. It yeah. seemed just all about this match. Um, I had a good time with it. I like seeing, you know, the young guys in Dragon Gate kind of doing their thing. Um, Shun in particular, I thought looked very crisp in this match. I've uh, seen him in the past and I know he has, he's kind of a uh, hit or miss, crash or burn uh, type when it comes to his high flying. Sometimes he manages to hit things very perfectly. I think in the, uh, the tag match we watched him in earlier teaming with Mochizuki, he at one point tried to do sort of a step-up dive to the outside and almost missed the step-up and almost crashed then and there. Managed to uh, <laughs> make it to Yamato and BB Hulk in that match, but it's very close. But uh, in this one, I thought he looked particularly fresh during all his uh, diving stuff, very crisp, very clean. Um, I loved seeing a lot of UT's uh, submission stylings at one point. Um well, throughout the whole match, he was basically focused on um, octopus stretch and cobra twist uh, abdominal stretch uh, style moves. And at one point managed to do one in the ropes on Shun Skywalker, which I had a uh, blast with. Um, feels like between uh, him and Dasher Hatfield, we've been seeing a lot of abdominal stretches uh, recently <laughs> here on the Global Revolution. But um, Well, yeah, now I, I always really... jokingly think it will end the match for some reason. So. <laughs> Nowadays, once Dasher won with it once, now every time I see it, I'm like, oh, this could be it. This could be it. (laughs) I I think that, but kind of in a joke way. I'm still not really down with that. You got to build something like that up a little more, I think. That that was a miss for me a bit. But, um, yeah, um, I thought it was a good match. Uh, There's two guys that kind of going into this set I didn't really think anything of um, because last time I saw Shun Skywalker, as I alluded to, he was still wearing, like, the full... Booger Green jumpsuit, which was just really a horrible look for him. Horrid. Um, just horrid. <laughs> just the worst. Um, and UT is a guy who's always just kind of been floating around and not really stood out to me, and I used to confuse him with that Linda Man. Now I know the difference, but um, yeah, uh, I, I definitely think it was good. Shun Skywalker really did uh, kind of, I turned a corner on him in a big way, and it was probably more the tag match than this match, but I thought he looked uh, very good in this. UT... <laughs> I don't know. He still didn't really stand out that much to me, so maybe I need to uh, keep seeing him and stuff. 
maybe he's just not kind of going to be one of my favorites. But uh, I thought Trent Skywalker really looked like a potential star in this set. I come uh, come thinking a lot better of him than I did before, so that's that's definitely good. Indeed. Um, I did hear there was a, uh, uh, now that I'm actually remembering this, there was a Triangle Gate match uh, between um, the, uh, the the champions of Natural Vibes taking on the Tribe Vanguard trio of Kagetora, Yosuke Santa Maria, and UT. Um, in fact, they tri- uh, yeah, trioed up a few times, did those three, and apparently they were uh, a, a pretty solid trio. Um, they kind of all worked really well together, so we may at one point have to try to track down those matches in the future, or just watch them ourselves, because um, now that I'm remembering it, they did give us some high praise, those three. Uh, UT especially, who... Um, I don't know about, uh, as, as you mentioned, maybe not quite for you, but I'm actually really, um, I've always enjoyed UT. Maybe not necessarily one of my favorites, but I always thought he kind of got a raw deal in the Millennials. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I'm happy to see his sort of reemergence in the company over the last year or so. Really enjoyed his time in uh, Tribe Vanguard. Um, yeah, so I- I'm happy he's kind of back and doing his thing. Definitely uh Think he's got he's another one of those uh, building blocks for the future of Dragon Gate, especially once he's added sort of that submission game to his stuff. I feel like he stood out a lot more than being sort of a generic fast dude that he was uh, previously. So um, hopefully he continues to grow. Hopefully he continues to mature, get better as a wrestler because uh, he's a guy who I think has a lot of potential. And Shun Skywalker um, being one of the uh, few out and out high flyers. Drangate is produced out of their dojo, not just, you know, guys who move fast or guys who go to Mexico to learn how to die, but a guy actually straight <laughs> from uh, the Drangate system, you know, becoming a high flyer. I think he's got a lot of potential as well. Um, like I said, I enjoyed this match. It ends up going to a draw, which Drangate uh, tends to like employing every once in a while, and I thought it was a good sort of showing for both these guys. Neither one of them could one-up one another in the end, but a, a, a good match for both of them. Really like seeing, uh, I'm always a guy who's kind of a sucker, uh, with my appreciation for Dragon Gate is, you know, being able to see kind of the young guys coming in and showing off what they can do and kind of seeing where Dragon Gate might be headed in the future. And between, you know, just basically all the young guys Dragon Gate has, I think they're, I think they're in good hands. And I think this match was, uh, at least for me personally, a, a good showing for seeing, um, how that future might play out for Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Cool, cool. All right, that wraps up the uh, Dragon Gate part of the set. Anything else you want to say about that before we move on? Um, I will have to look it up. I'll probably mention it uh, towards the end, but they did do, uh, once again, Doid Arts this year. Uh, they're going to have their uh, <laughs> the end of year uh, ridiculous tag team match, five on five, um, a whole bunch of assorted people. But uh, I'll have to look up who's uh, the participants in that, and I'll let everybody know uh, uh, who that is at the end of this episode, because we got one more set we do want to try to get through before then. And um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm really going to truncate this part of the set, because uh, well, it's a bunch of matches from uh, Northeast Wrestling, um, but I don't know, a lot of them just really didn't uh, catch me that well, so I'm really only going to oh, mainly talk about a couple of them. Um it happens, you know, you have to try out everything, and uh, even though I like a lot of wrestling, I'm not going to necessarily like all the wrestling. Um, true, true. So, yeah, I'll just say, in general, um, not really one of the, my favorite promotions I've watched. Uh, um, 
I don't know. Like, uh, I didn't really like the commentary very much. I thought it was uh, pretty substandard. Um, they bring in some good guys that I like, but those guys don't seem especially motivated. Maybe just because it's like kind of a lower tier promotion in terms of like notability. Maybe I don't know. There's just kind of a weird vibe about it that it didn't really click for me in most of these matches, as well as it should have on paper. Um, but I will talk about two matches in particular. They're both from the uh, Redemption show from November 9th, which uh, is probably obviously the reason that uh, I picked this company to look at it all, because the main event and the match has got a lot of hype from this uh, promotion was Phoenix taking on Kenny Omega, uh, sort of a champion versus champion between New Japan and AAA, um, though not really even discussed as such, because I feel like we're kind of in a place where especially with these kinds of fans where it's sort of like more about uh, the wrestler than kind of the title or the story or the character, um, which I don't know, isn't necessarily my favorite thing. Uh, a lot of people love this match, Phoenix versus Kenny Omega. I thought it was good. Didn't really think it was great. I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega fan, as I've talked about a lot. Uh, definitely some good stuff in this. I think if there's one thing Kenny Omega actually is very good at, it's taking a really big, really, like, well-presented bumps, because uh, by far the highlight of the match was him DDTing Phoenix through a table, which was definitely more brutal for Omega than it was for Phoenix, because he came up with, like, kind of some cuts on his back and looking really kind of beat up from that. So definitely give him credit for that sort of thing as far as it goes. Um, some nice set pieces, too. They had a kind of a steel ramp, and uh, at one point Phoenix got powerbombed onto that. Um, did some different cool things, but I don't know. I just, um, all, all power, all love to fans of Kenny Omega, I guess, if you really do think he's the best in the world and you just love that style a lot. Fine. You know, that's all you, but man, he's such a goof. Like I can't with him, <laughs> you know, I've heard people like, Oh, people are like, Oh, Mike Quackenbush, he makes silly faces during his matches. I can't take him seriously. Well, I'm sorry then, but I, how could you watch one Kenny Omega match? Because everything is just like, like histrionics with this guy. I don't know. It's like a lot of big, kind of ridiculous facial expressions. It's a lot of like flailing around. Um, I don't know. Like some people, I guess he's supposed to be like a like a geek maybe, and like maybe that's the idea. But I, I don't know. I just don't understand the presentation. I don't get. Um, you know, I every time he's like, what is it he says? You can't escape. escape. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. It sounds so dumb to me. Um, I just can't take Kenny Omega very seriously as a storyteller, I guess, or as a character, because he just seems like such a goon all the time. Um, I don't know. Phoenix did a great job. It was still a good match, but yeah, I, it was not anything like above and beyond to me outside of like one or two spots perhaps so that that was my take on phoenix versus omega and uh probably not a lot of people agree with it but that was my feeling oh well yeah i definitely you probably know this better than anybody but i definitely agree <laughs> with you on uh kenny omega and his uh, storytelling i've just not been enthused with a lot of the stuff he's done over the oh. last uh last little while i'd say just not my dude not my favorite guy um yeah, that's just really all I gotta say. Kenny Omega, 
not my dude. Um, Phoenix is my dude, though, so yeah, there's um, that, I guess, for this match. He did very so. well. I think he came to impress. So I don't know. Like, okay. The presentation of it all was very obnoxious to me as someone who's not a Kenny Omega fan. And I know I'm not – I was not the target obvious, obviously, but the whole thing, it just seemed to be – it seemed to exist just to, like, worship Kenny Omega. And Phoenix was just sort of there as, like – a guy who could fight Kenny Omega. Um, but it was right. like all about Kenny Omega. Um, at one point, this pissed me off much more than it should have. But Phoenix at one point counters the one winged angel with the reverse Rana. So cool. Fine spot. Whatever. The fucking commentary talked about the reverse Rana, like Kenny Omega, like, owned and copyrighted and invented the move and no one else had ever done a reverse Rana before. They were like, wow, Phoenix stealing a move from Kenny Omega. And I'm like, man, Phoenix probably Have you watched Rana's any PWG? Yeah, I don't know. Have you watched any PWG just <laughs> ever? Right. Like, uh, like one show. Just, that's all you need is one. Uh, that's that's yeah. really frustrating. So, yeah, actually. like that's... not one thing could not be about Kenny Omega. I don't know. The whole thing just felt like it was put together by like Kenny Omega fanboys or something. I don't know. That was just my like gut feeling. So that that may not be true, but it was the impression I got, and perception is reality sometimes. So um, uh, the one match though that's... that I did really really like on uh, on this set, and the only one I would honestly really strongly recommend, also from this show. Pentagon Jr., Penta L. whatever his name is on that day, taking on uh, Darby Allen, who's a talent I have not seen before, um, but uh, kind of caught my interest before the match with a pre-match like video promo where he says Pentagon is just a catchphrase. He's just Cerro Miedo. Um, and uh, basically saying, like, why don't you leave your catchphrase at home and actually show me zero fear in this match we're about to have. And that kind of struck a little chord with me because that's kind of been my main issue with Pentagon since he's kind of like broken out into the uh, independent scene. He's really, um, and you know, I get it. Like it's good marketing or what have you, but he does seem to rely an awful lot on these kind of like overblown taunts and like he can't do a match without like his fancy, glove removal and, you know, all the things that he does now that just uh, don't, in my mind, really jive with what made Pentagon, like, this incredible superstar overnight. So to have someone say that, uh, I, I don't know, like, there not everything I liked about that promo, because it showed Darby Allen like, at a skate park, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I can take you seriously at this skate park, but um, it was a cool thought, and I really liked the idea of it, at the very least. Um, the match itself, I thought, yeah, was definitely the highlight. I thought it was quite good. Darby Allen, definitely good talent, very quick. Um, does sort of like these backwards dives where he like leaps backwards off the top, uh, like down to the floor or something. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's very good strategy, but it's visually very striking. And I thought it was very cool. Uh, Pentagon still doing some of his taunt stuff, but he seemed a lot more keyed into the match than he sometimes is on these random indie appearances, which uh, which I really appreciated. Um, they were a little heavy on the kickouts, but uh, it was a very good finish, I thought. They incorporated the, uh, the arm breaker, which I love, and they actually sold it as like a match-ending thing. Like Darby couldn't put up any real defense, 
after Pentagon used that move, and I think uh, that was very much to the credit of the match. Pentagon does win. Very good match. Uh, Darby Allen, a guy I would definitely want to see again. Uh, I thought he did very well. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Darby Allen. I haven't actually seen him, <laughs> but apparently he's one of those uh, hot indie talents right now, doing a lot of stuff in Evolve specifically is kind of where he broke out. Uh, apparently uh, uh, just a very big favorite. I know he was in a, a PWG recently. I think he's been doing some, uh, I think it was in Bola, for instance. <laughs> so uh, his stock seems to be uh, rising particularly as kind of a uh, sort of daredevil type is what it seems like for him. You know, a guy taking a lot of high risks, uh, as you said, diving backwards apparently. Um, definitely a guy who seems like he's on the up and up right now. So cool to hear that he's actually getting an opportunity against a guy like Pentagon and apparently made the most of it. So that's cool. That's definitely good to hear. Um, definitely going to be trying to seek that one out in particular if I get a chance to go back and watch some of this stuff, because that seems like a good one. That sounds like a good one to me. Yep, absolutely so. So uh, I'll just leave it at that for that part of the uh, the set. Uh, a lot of the other matches were not so much really that interesting to me. Um, definitely regret putting a 2018 Rob Van Dam match on the set. I don't know what possessed me to <laughs> I did that, see that. So. I don't know why you... Uh... Decided I don't know. On I thought one, with Johnny Mundo, maybe I don't know, but it wasn't. It was not. Yeah, do not bother. So. Oh, unfortunate. Unfortunate. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. I think that's everything then. Did you want to talk any more about Dragon Gate before we come? Yes, I've got. Um, as we go into the end of the year, we've got a few uh, fantastic Gate shows uh, towards the end here, including a uh, the final Gate 2018. So I'm just gonna mention some of the big matches on some of these shows uh, really quickly because. They've got some interesting stuff. First off, on uh, December 15th, uh, this is the only match shown so far for this show, but it is a super interesting one. Um, it is a one-fall, five-minute time limit match that will see L. Lindemann returning to the company proper to take on the returning from injury, his first match back from injury, Takahiro Yamamura. And if you don't remember that name, he was a young Dragon Gate talent who was on the rise, replaced uh, Shima in a uh, Dragon Gate tag league a few years back, was generally thought of as being one of the future stars of Dragon Gate, made a huge impact, wrestled for a while, unfortunately suffered a very damaging injury, um, taking a drop kick. I ended up uh, essentially destroying his spine and his neck, if I recall, and was taken out of action for a long time. Um, he ended up joining uh, the likes of Shima, uh, T-Hawk, and El Lindemann when they left um, Japan to go over to do the OWE stuff with uh, Strong Hearts and that whole group in, uh, in uh, Hong Kong, and is uh, coming back for his first match since that fatal injury. Uh, I guess not fatal, but uh, you know what I mean. Just a brutal injury, yes. let's say. Brutal injury. Um, returning to take on El Lindemann, who is also making his uh, Dragon Gate return uh, since uh, leaving the company. So that's uh, on December 15th. Very interesting uh, development there. Mm-hmm. We've also got um, the December 18th show, which is going to have the Doi Darts match. But before that, there's apparently a international special tag team match that will see Flamita and Bandito team up to take on the R.E.D. duo of Daga and Pac. So that's going to be a 
interesting and probably fun one there. But we do have the Doi Darts uh, special 10-man tag team match. And this one is a uh, a weird doozy of names. On one side, you have the team of Dragon Kid, Kanis, Ben K, Kazuma Sakamoto, and Kai taking on the team of Yuki Yoshioka, BB Hulk, Brother Yashi, Naruki Doi, and Dragon Dia, the uh, the protege of Dragon Kid. So that's your uh, your Doi Darts uh, tag team match towards the end of the year. Dragon Kid, Kanes, Binke, Sakamoto, and Kai taking on uh, Yoshioka, BB Hulk, Brother Yashi, Naruki Doi, and Dragon Dia on December 18th. Um... That's going to be, as usual, probably a very weird and fun match. Love the uh, Doi Darts uh, matches. And the uh, final gate, December 23rd, has got a couple of matches, but the biggest one is going to be, indeed, Mask versus Hair, Dragon Kid versus Ata, sort of what their feud has been uh, leading to this whole time. Mask versus Hair on the line between these two in Dragon Gate, December 23rd, 2018. Also on that show already is going to be um, KZ, Sumu, and Horaguchi defending the Triangle Gate Championships against the team of Takashi Yoshida, Yasushi Kanda, and Kazuma Sakamoto. That should be an interesting match. And <coughs> a, uh, a rematch from a match that was really good earlier this year, the Open the Twin Gate Championships being defended by Yamato and BB Hulk against the Big Ben duo, Big R Shimizu and Ben K. That was a match of the year contender the first time it happened earlier this year, and it proves that it promises to be a very similar match uh, the second time around. So that's all on December 23rd, uh, 2018, the final gate 2018 for Dragon Gate, along with those uh, other matches I mentioned for December 15th and December 18th for Dragon Gate. So as we come to the end of the year here, they're really ramping up, got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, yeah. Looking good for Dragon Gate. Also, we just want to quickly shoot out some mentions to First Off Jakar. They just had their season finale. Um, Going to be checking that out, hopefully, sometime in the near future when we can with the holidays coming up. And uh, Wrestle Kingdom, right around the corner. It's already uh, the beginning of December. January 4th will be here sooner than you know it. So any uh, New Japan fans out there, be on the lookout for Wrestle Kingdom right around the corner. Absolutely so. All right. I think that is everything more than enough for tonight. Yes. Um, <laughs> yep. Bit of a long one. Going to try to make some shorter sets because, yeah, these, uh, these shows are getting a little out of control perhaps the last few weeks. So, um, all good, though. Thank you very much for listening. If you ever want to shout us out, we're on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gent. He is at Big Def Energy. That's B-I-G-D-E-F Energy. Uh, give us a shout. Give us a follow. Also, check out the great programs on LOP Radio and uh, LOPforums.com for a lot of great written material. Hope you will check all of that out and more. We'll be back next week with more wrestling, which may be under your radar. Until then, we have been The Global Revolution. See ya.